Hello, everybody. Welcome to RPG Cast episode 180. It's the E3 2011 wrap up. I'm your host, Chris Privetier, and I've got several people who are here at E3 this year with me. I've got, first off, Anna Marie Newfilm. Wait, why am I first? Because your name starts with the A. That's right. Okay, I'm down with that. And after that, of course, comes E for Ed Walker. Hi. Hello. <laughs> and M for Manny. Or well, I guess we should be E. Well, Emmanuel. he's also an E, but he's like E M. So yes, you're still good. Still good, Emmanuel Marino. Except you're out of order, Chris. I know. You're no, you're out of order, Anna. This whole show's out of order. <laughs> this whole show's out of order. This show's taking place on June 12, 2011. We're happy to get back to our houses to relax. It's been a nice, relaxing post E3 weekend, and we just had to end it with one nice podcast to talk about all the stuff we did during the week. And sneeze into the microphone, because that's what we do here. Oh, oh we will have the E3 play. We all got sick at E3. I, oh, oh my gosh. I didn't. I Everybody didn't. except Ed. No, you Because I was came, sick before it. And you were the one who made the rest of us sick, you bastard. How Lies. dare you. How dare you. How dare you. So, I've got no... Uh, we're going we're gonna to streamline the front of the show. No feedback this week, because we got a lot of games to talk about. So, we're going to jump right into the news. And uh, uh, let's see, we'll jump right into the news with our first story. There's a lot of stuff announced at E3, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, one of the first things that uh, finally got confirmed was the news about what's going on with Connect and Mass Effect 3. Chris, move forward. Yes. Oh, right. Okay, I'm moving <laughs> forward. Now move left. Chris, concussive shot. I don't, I don't have that ability. Chris, read the new story. Oh. <laughs> so that's what you're going to be doing in Mass Effect 3. If you, get a, if you have a Kinect, they're going to support voice control of your teammates, uh, as well as choosing dialogue options by just reading the little summary that you have for each of the, of the multiple dialogue options right there on the screen. And then we'll choose it for you and play out in the, uh, in the story. Saw this demoed, and it looked like it worked, and that I probably wouldn't use it at all. What do you guys think? I did her. I like the complaint. idea of yelling at your horse better. Yeah, that's another game. <laughs> but uh, what did you? Uh, does it? What do you think, well, Manny? People would say it. I've had a mic around my around my head for the last several years. How come I haven't been able to do this before? Why don't you connect to do it? Because the mic sucks, and the mic on the Connect is probably better. All right. I mean, isn't there like uh, voice processing hardware in the Connect that helps? So they say. So they say. So they tell you. I will say though, when I was playing Mass Effect 2, I didn't use a lot of my teammates' abilities because I hated pausing the action, going to what they wanted to do, aiming at the person I wanted to attack, and then un- they laid it loose and then doing that every five minutes. So I, eventually I just stopped using their abilities and trusted that they would do it. But if I could just yell out really quickly, Liara, lift, I probably would use their abilities a lot more. Hmm. What is, uh, is this going to make you buy Connect? No. <laughs> Me neither. No. <laughs> But if I already why. had a connect, I would be mildly interested. <clears throat> yeah, and you know, it's it's just thrown in there on the Xbox version. The problem is I play the PC version, so you know, I kinda want my save to come over. So this kinda is a non non feature for me. Ed's played no version, I believe. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And, and neither is Anna. Uh Michael's not here yet, but I think uh if he were here, he'd tell you that this is not going to make him change platform because he's got all that work he put into his save file. I mean, come on, give me a break. 
I don't know. But I know I will be buying Mass Effect 3. Especially if they have a fancy collector's edition. Hey, guess what? They do. (laughs) (laughs) They do have a fancy collector's edition. So if you got 80 bucks, you can throw down for the collector's edition of Mass Effect 3, which has a 70-page hardcover art book, an N7 fabric patch, a lithograph featuring the Normandy, an official soundtrack CD, a comic by Dark Horse, additional DLC, and a tin featuring male and female Shepard to hold it all. So how do you Mm -hmm. think about that? Wait, one of the DLC things are you get apparently four guns, two different suits, and a robotic dog. Robotic dog! How can you go wrong with robotic dog? I don't know. I've seen better collection editions, and I've also seen worse. It seems kind of safe. Yeah, this is a decent one. They give you a nice artwork piece in there that you can use or put up, except it's only four by six. So it's not yeah, but nice. if this was like CD Project, they would have given all this to you for free. <laughs> they would have, and there would have been a statue of a full size statue of Shepard in there for like two extra cents. Yeah, because they're crazy like that. <laughs> That's right. That's what they do. They're just good. You just want to buy the regular version; it's sixty bucks. It'll be out March sixth, twenty twelve. So oh, so we week. got an official date then. That's apparently what we got. All right, I'm going to mark that on my calendar, March sixth, twenty twelve. Just yeah, expect that date to change. Just let me throw that out there. Though I guess originally they were saying November, so it's already been changed once. All right, all right. I'll be honest though, with us, as many big games that are coming out this fall, I can, I can space them out a bit. Skyrim alone is going to take a, take up too much of my time. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you, something else that's going to take up your time. But not too much of it. You should be relaxed while playing it. Will be Fable the Journey for your Xbox. This is Wait, why did you're you say relaxed. Connect. Yes, you're going to be relaxed because Peter Malnu. He, I had a session. He he sat down in front of me and said, "I'm making this game for the lazy gamer. This is not okay. a game for people. Why do people not want to care buy Connect and play Connect games? Because they don't want to flail their arms around crazy. They just want to sit down with a controller like this. And I'm showing." The motions you make with the controller to the camera, uh, which you can't see because you don't tune in every week at rpgamer.com slash live like you should to watch the podcast live. But if you did, you'd see that I'm <laughs> my hands like this in front of the camera. And then you'd know that this is what Peter Malnu has his, his, his vision of what gamers like to do. And what you're going to be able to do in Fable Journey is sit back in your channel and say, and have your horse go forward. And he's just going to walk for you. You don't have to do anything. He's a horse. He's trained. He walks. You don't worry about it walking. He's doing the walking. You you could sit back on your on your carriage and uh, fling your arm forward and uh, zap things with magic. So this is new. This is all new showing on in, showing off in the uh, Microsoft press conference. I sat down in a in a uh, in a session a bit later to get some more details. But uh, how'd you get an exclusive session with Peter? Mullen? It wasn't exclusive. I just lucked Did- out. I got to I got like the only session of the day that Peter was uh, commenting on or doing. Oh, the, uh, so you just happened to wander over and it's like, you want to go in? Sure. Hey, I'm Peter Malinu. Hey, I went early and got a ticket for that specific session. I didn't know that it was going to be the Peter Malinu session, but still. Oh, there were tickets you could get. Fancy. Yeah, so you didn't have to wait in line, even though um, the line wasn't full. So anyway, hmm. <laughs> so I did that. It was awesome, and uh, he showed off. What, uh, well mostly awesome there's a lot of potential for this game uh you can be able to run around uh, get off your carriage and go shoot down enemies and hunt them down in a camp explore for treasure all that stuff and you get to cast magic you're a magic user because again lazy gamer we don't want you slashing swords and getting all sweaty so you get to do stuff with your hands while you're sitting back on the couch and make big spells with two hands and make big fireballs blow everybody up zap things casually with one hand craft a spear with your magic and chuck it 
at monsters and spear them, go fishing, that sort of stuff. It's not on rails, even though the demo kind of looked like on rails. And it's shaping up to be, you know, fable but uh, using Connect to kind of... Okay, so it's not on rails. Powers. So how do you move forward? You just say move forward or... Well, with your horse, you whap the reins. Okay, so you're always go... on your horse. No, you get off. You just, so how uh... do you move when you're off the horse? I didn't notice. Okay. That's a great question. I don't know. <laughs> That's actually a really good question that I didn't notice. Because the demo was kind of Rails-ish, just for, for the sake of the demo. But he made it clear that you're not going to be on Rails. You go wherever the hell you want. And if you go too far away from your horse and carriage, uh, monsters will find them and you, they'll be in trouble. So you need to be conscious mm. of that. Hmm. Oh, how much of an RPG is this, though? No, he didn't show off a single RPG element in the thing, other than okay. crafting. But I mean, you're gonna you get to uh, absorb life force from nearby creatures as well as crystals. And if you suck it off a creature, if you take a little bit of of life force off of a creature, it'll fall asleep. If you keep drawing life force, it'll wither up and die. So that's kind of your morality choices, and the, at least the only thing he showed in the game. You know, Fable's always had that good or bad guy, depending on how crazy you want to get about getting your power. But uh, that, that's the extent of the RPG elements that we saw. So not much yet. Hopefully there'll be more. I mean, his, his whole goal is to make you feel like you have magic powers and use the connect for that purpose. And also to respect the fact that you're lazy. So we'll see how that turns out. That is Fable. Atlas was not to be denied their time in the sun at E3, though. And they released new Details for Shin Megami Tensei Devil Survivor 2. It'll be coming to North America. And that's all we really know. <laughs> no, we learned a little bit more when we sat down with him. Let me get my notes. Well, <laughs> we know it'll still be a tactical RPG. And there'll be choices that uh, you make in the game. That yeah, shape so up. basically oh, okay. the, the premise behind the story is that <coughs> high school students again um, and there's this mysterious website that's uh, been been floating around as a rumor, and uh, yeah, rumor. Sorry. And uh, basically, if you go to the website, it shows different people dying, and what people have realized very quickly is that these are actually true, true predictions. People have been dying, and they've been dying exactly the way that the website tells them. So there's three kids. They don't know each other um, at all, really. And they all get a text message at the same time showing their grisly death, that they're all crushed to death in the subway. And they're at the subway. And, you know, having this foreknowledge allows them to save themselves, except um, as soon as they're like, hooray, we saved ourselves from the crush- from the train and we didn't die, um, demons pop out and we're like, oh, you're not dead. Well, we're just going to eat your faces to make sure you do die. So um, they eventually gain the power to summon devils themselves. Um, Aram didn't really go into detail how they particularly acquire that power. Um, but the cool thing is, is um, the cutscenes showing people's deaths are very, very cool. Um, I was actually really surprised that, at the level of detail. Now, all of them aren't going to have the It was just an depth. anime cutscene. It wasn't that cool. It was, it was cool. cool. It's it just was a cool. little anime video. <laughs> Whatever. So, um, Aram said that um, 
that one of the better ways to describe it is a mix of Double Survivor One and Persona and the Persona games because um, because these people like in in Double Survivor One the three main characters and a lot of the people they associated with they all knew each other it was all sort of an established interconnected network but with Double Survivor Two you're dealing with people that don't know each other so you have um, you have that relationship development like you did with the social links in Persona 3 and 4. And that's going to be very relevant to your combat because the higher level your relationship is, the better they do, the more abilities that are unlocked. Nice. Yep. So other than that, um, no official rating yet. Possibly M, possibly T. And uh, he, he was able to, to confirm that there are more demons than Devil Survivor 1, although he didn't want to give us an exact number. Mm-hmm. Well, we got a number of things announced for The Legend of Zelda's 25th anniversary. It felt like they announced 25 things, honestly. It was like the beginning of the Nintendo Four press conference. Zelda games this year. Yeah, no kidding. So Zelda Skyward Sword, that's already been announced. We know that's coming. Zelda Four Swords Adventures coming to the DSiWare. The DSiWare. Coming to DSiWare in September. It'll be free to anyone with uh, with a DSi. Or uh, I guess uh, 3DS as well. It'll be on there too now that the eShop's out. Uh, but uh, it will also have The Legend of Zelda Zinc's Link's Awakening DX has launched. This is actually out now. Came out on the 3DS eShop when that went live this past week. And there'll be a pair of music CDs commemorating the 25th anniversary. The first is a soundtrack for Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time that's going to be part of, uh, if you register the game on Club Nintendo, for if you're one of like the first 1,000, 2,000, however many, first however many thousands of people register the game on Club Nintendo, you get a free soundtrack. And the second is going to be a soundtrack for orchestrated versions of classic Zelda tracks for the 25th anniversary because they're going to be contracts, a concert. They're going to be concerts in each region, like in the U.S. region, the Asian region. Um, we'll be seeing those concerts going up, and I believe that they're partnering with uh, that website that does orchestrated Zelda music. Let's see, orchestrated Zelda music. I want to get you their names because they're kind of cool and they have a bunch of... Zelda Reorchestrated, which you can find at www.zreomusic.com. Z-R-E-O-Music.com. <coughs> you can find all their stuff. For a time, they let you download the the reorchestrated themes that they played at the Nintendo press conference, but they had to pull it because too many people were downloading it. <laughs> and they put up a page that said, congrats, you broke the site. So, good job. Anyway, so that that's what I think they're they're doing as far as that those orchestrated concerts. Tons of stuff for Legend of Zelda. You guys excited for Zelda? Fox, <laughs> you are not allowed having the flamethrower. You are not allowed having pots, and you're not allowed having bombs. Apparently, what? Apparently, Ed is uh, very <laughs> mean in Four Swords Adventure. Yes, yes, he is, jerk. <laughs> How many times did you light me on fire? How many times did I fall into holes because you threw a pot on my head? It's not my fault you can't see. Oh, it is that you threw a pot on my head. Wow. Okay. I re- Do I realize I predicted this last year, the Four Swords thing at least? I did? I predicted Zelda Four Swords? Because that's pretty cool if I did. Also, so this is cool. Four Swords Adventure... Here's the question. It's not cool. We don't know if it's cool because the original Four Swords Adventure came with a link to the past on the GameCube. We don't know if this one will. Um, or on the GBA, rather. Um, but still, we I don't, don't know if this one will. remember Four Swords coming with a link to the past. Apparently it did. It did? <clears throat> yeah. 
So there. According to our very own Sam Marcello. Okay. I'll also, uh, Ed, you're getting requests in the chat room to play Terraria instead. So. <laughs> you can beat up parts of Cthulhu in Terraria. Hey, there you go. So... I'm actually kind of excited about Four Swords Adventure because I never got to play that with other people. So if we get Wi-Fi play on DSiWare with that, that's going to be freaking awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, we basically got to play it because the two of them came to visit me. We played the crap out of that game while they were Yeah, pretty much. Pretty sweet. So something I got to play the crap out of, well, not really. I got to play it a little bit, was the PlayStation Vita that was officially unveiled and named at the show. It's called the Vita, uh, and everyone was like, bleh. But then they announced the price. It's 250 bucks, And everyone's like, yeah, now we're yeah. talking about. AT&T, no. Oh, and then AT&T. And then, oh. and then everyone realized they don't need 3G. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they should have at least because it's not an important feature, I don't think. No. Uh, we don't even know if you'll be able to play games on the 3G. It's not, you, that is that's very not true. very clear whether or not you'll just be able to do the social functions on the 3D or if you'll actually be able to play games. And we it don't know how much the 3G to. plan would cost. And hey, I've if heard... you don't live in New York or San Francisco or LA, you can actually use AT&T, so that helps too. Doesn't everyone live in those three um, cities? Yes. <laughs> AT&T doesn't really have that big of a stronghold in Canada. Okay, obviously this doesn't apply to Canada. Fine, it'll Why be not? Rogers in Canada. Because it would be because... Rogers or Telus. Oh, Rogers! Ew. Yeah. We don't no. know. Did they? Did they say it's Rogers? Telus. Telus. Hold on. Hold on. Will like... you stop speculating, Manny? Did they say it's? Did they say who it is in Canada? No, not at all. Okay, so we don't know who it'll be, Anna. And you Telus don't like either of them, so it doesn't Canada matter. Wide. I like Telus. Well, it'll Telus probably be Rogers then, if only one is Canada wide. Oh. Tell, tell, tell us what you think about them. Yeah, tell us what you think. Uh, Rogers. <laughs> remember, you can't swear on the podcast. That's right. You can't swear, but you can make really bad puns. The question is if I remember to edit that stuff out. So when Link to the Past was released for GBA, it came with four swords on the car- cartridge. Thank you, Shadow4699 in the chat room for doing some research for us. Appreciate that. So PlayStation Vita, playing host to Ruin. So that was the big RPG announcement for the Vita. So mm-hmm. it's an action RPG, emphasis on social network integration. Manny, did you get to play it? I sure did. There's an impression on the site right now. So go read that, but can you tell us, like, it's just a Diablo clone, right? Uh, well, what was on the show floor was more of a proof of concept than anything. Uh, it was basically a tech demo. It was one very small level. Uh, everything was placeholder. There was no UI. There was no real explanation of what you were doing, who anybody was. And it was like the same three monsters over and over again. It was very much a tech demo showing, this is what we hope to do. But based on what I did see, um, they got the basics down, right? It's like sort of a combo-based action system. Every face button has a different attack. L button sort of blocks. And you can, I guess when you, the environment is affected by your attacks and your actions. (laughs) Basically, it's an overhead uh, three-quarters view Diablo game. And I think the only reason why we should care, I mean... Uh, this is this kind of game's a dime a dozen, but what makes this was what might make this something to keep an eye on is the fact that it's like the only launch RPG title that's going to be that's been announced so far, and it does have online multiplayer with both the with both other Vitas and cross-platform play with the NGP. I mean, jeez, I'm so lost off the cross-platform with PS3. Yes, because I'm trying not to say NGP. I'm, I'm trying to remember. Say Vita. Say Vita. Say Vita. 
I think we can officially call E3 2011 the year of the action RPG. Yeah. There, there I, was I'm just going to call E3 20... I'm just going to call 2011 the year of the action RPG. Yeah. It's, it's coming back, kind of like fighting games are coming back, and then it's going to burn out once again. Interesting what may cause some kerfluffling later down the line is both Heroes of Ruin for the 3DS and Ruin for the PS Vita are scheduled to come out at the same time and are basically the exact same game. Yep. Did you? Oh, that's no good. So, uh, so the one will get moved. Though, I mean, they were just both announced at the show for the most part, so one will get moved. But to be fair, Ruin is working title, so that could be subject to change. Okay. So it could be a hero of ruin instead of heroes of ruins. No, 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 no. Ruin <laughs> is the Vita one. Yeah, no, I'm just heroes joking that they could change the name to a hero of ruin. Oh yeah. There you go. <laughs> oh, terrible. Make it even okay, closer. Okay, well, so basically, just keep an eye on ruin because if you're planning on getting a Vita launch and you want an RPG, you can do worse than a multi than a than a, a very connected multiplayer game like that. Yeah. So that's looking good and network multiplayer. On launch with with Vita just shows a complete different style than uh, PSP had at launch, so I like it, like it a lot. Oh, Dragon Man Quest Monsters! How about this for those people been uh, wanting some of those uh, Japanese games to come over that haven't been coming over yet? Well, most of them weren't announced at the show, but this one was Dragon Quest Monsters Joker Two coming to North America this year to be out on August twenty eighth. Thirty bucks for your DS, and it is you know it's a follow up to Dragon Quest Monsters Joker. And if you are into that game, you already know what all that's about. Collect all your monsters, do your battling, recruit, 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 play uh, online multiplayer, local play, and a tag mode. So enjoy the heck out of that, because I don't think anybody on the show plays those, though. Um. Well, if Michael was here, he could wax poetically about it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I just could. feel like this announcement came completely out of left field because Dragon Quest Monster Joker Two has been out in Japan for like what a year. Well, mm-hmm. Nintendo apparently is trying to focus on supporting Dragon Quest in the West. And so this is part of that, as well as Fortune Street was announced, so that's part of it as well. Fortune Street is a Wii game. Uh, it's an Itadaki Street game, if you're familiar with the Japanese name in the series, but it's, it's going to be a Wii game that has Dragon Quest characters and Mario characters in the same game, and it's a weird board game that's like Monopoly, but with stock market elements and more complexity. So combine Monopoly and Mario Party and stock market elements and all this crazy stuff, and you have a big complex board game that you play with characters from Mario and Dragon Quest, if you can figure that out. But uh, it has never been translated. There's been a lot of these in Japan. Japan before it never been translated to come over here before Nintendo's given it a try I, I don't think it's going to do that well um, are you guys interested in such a game this is like Itadaki right it is Itadaki yes then yes alright unfortunately we don't know if it's going to have online play so we'll have to see hopefully I play it by myself I mean Michael has one of these I can't see I- how it would be fun at all playing by yourself just against the computer why not? What's the point? If you're not winning or beating somebody else, it's kind of a boring board game. Well, I played Dokopon single player. Oh, okay. <clears throat> you're you're a unique individual, Anna. Shut up. I have friends. <laughs> okay. You should play with them once in a while. You should yeah. play you should go on a vacation with them to Dead Island. That sounds excellent. Yeah, you know, maybe not. 
Because mm. this is a zombie well, action is, RPG. Yeah. yeah, I I I went to the CDC and I read I read the important information about the zombie apocalypse. So I am ready for Dead Island. I love that they posted that. So Dead Island Chloe zombie action is, RPG. Yeah. Chloe is super stoked for this game. Yes, she is. Um, that's debatable. Oh, or she was. With I thought she wanted really wanted to play this. Uh, I, I I say she wants to really play oh, it. Oh, but I don't oh. know if she's still in all it. capitals, she said, "No, I'm not." Apparently, yeah. it didn't turn out so Sorry. well. It was playable. She was never actually representing her I, desire. It was playable I, on the show floor, and Chloe's mm-hmm. big fan of Dead Rising, Dead Rising Two. Uh, I think she's a big fan of zombies, and yeah. she wanted to check this one out, but she thought it was derivative of every other zombie game ever. Which is not surprising, because it seems like a caching game to me. But this time it's got RPG elements, as opposed to the other ones, which are kind of just straight-up action slash beat ups with some crafting for weapons. This one, there's a new trailer out, and that's all I really know about it. I haven't even seen how the RPG elements work. So oh, I, well, I can tell you, because I got an hour-long demo with the developers and creators of oh, the game. Please, please tell me. Um, it is basically Borderlands. Oh, in structure and design, in the in the mechan in the RPG mechanics, it's basically Borderlands. You have uh, four set characters, you know, like sort of like uh, in Borderlands, you had Roland and Mordecai and whatever's in, in, in Brick, Brick or whatever. Yeah, and you know, Brick was like the tank, and then Mordecai was the sniper, and whatever, and uh, Roland was the gunner, and that's sort of the same thing here. You these four characters, like John May is like the quick bladed girl. Uh, what uh, I can't remember all their names, but another guy is like the tank. The other guy is the heavy weapon specialist. So in that way, in that regards, just like Borderlands, it's also in Borderlands, like Borderlands, in that the game is divided up into zones, and you sort of go into a specific zone, and the enemies are sort of tailored to that zone. And each zone, you can go to different zones, but the enemies might be a little bit higher level than you are, so you won't be able to attack them. Oh, and weapon drops, I would have level requirements as well. So if you want to use that sweet purple axe. You won't be able to until you're level 25, say. Oh, and the skill tree is very much just like Borderlands. You have like different sections depending on how you want to focus your specific class. Like maybe I want my class to use less stamina when I'm using heavy weapons. Or when I run, I use less stamina. Or every time I get drunk, I do extra melee damage. That kind of thing. So just imagine Borderlands and instead of ranged weapons, it's all melee fighting. And instead of finding random, instead of a bunch of random Oh, sorry, I thought someone dropped. And oh, instead no. of some, and a bunch of random guns, it's uh, a bunch of random pieces that you use to create modified weapons. Oh, okay. Kind of odd. So... Hmm. If you have a question, please go ahead and ask. No, not really. I, it's, uh, I haven't played Borderlands, so th- that's not much for me to relate to. Okay. Um, I'm wondering well, if Ed has any interest in this game now that he's heard it compared to Borderlands. Uh, I have no idea because I got dropped from the call briefly. Hey, but you're oh. back on the call. That's the sound I heard. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Ed, I was, I was comparing Dead Island to uh, Borderlands in sort of its structure and design and the skill trees, uh, level requirements for weapons and how enemies – well, I was also told enemies scaled to you, but not one-to-one like, like Oblivion. They still want you to feel like a badass. But if you go to a zone – before you're ready, you can try to grind out some experience levels, get some money, get some rare items, but you probably die a lot. So it's probably, but so it's probably good to stick to where you're supposed to be at that time. But if you do do that extra work, you can maybe get in a few levels, equip some weapons that you're not that you're uh, ahead of schedule, yeah. and sort of do much better as you go on. I think it could be could be good. I mean, I I enjoy stuff like Left 4 Dead, um, 
and then adding the extra stuff. Like, you know, having a be like Borderlands, I think it can be a lot of fun. Because mm-hmm. Borderlands is just, especially when you get together with friends, you can play that for hours and just have a ton of fun. Yeah, even the multiplayer is the same way. So, like, you know, have your own single-player experience in Borderlands, but then you can take your character and all your skills and jump into a friend's game, and then everything you earn and everything you earn there, you take back into your own game, too. So it's like there's no wasted time being played at that game. So how did it play? Um, It played decently well. <laughs> like, it's a... Uh, you uh, right trigger sort of like your basic melee attack, and then you can kick enemies back with a left trigger. I'm mean, not left trigger, left bumper. So you can throw your weapon at people. So, like for example, you can make these uh, these modded knives. These modded knives with like little sticky bombs attached to them. So you can throw your knife at somebody. Wait a few seconds, it'll blow up in their face. And there's also like some strategy to when you want to throw your weapon because when you throw like your axe or your meat cleaver into somebody you have to go you have to go you have to physically go up to the zombie and pull your weapon back out of them to get it back and by that point your weapons are very valuable you'll, you'll probably have sunk a lot of money in repairing the item and modifying the item keeping it up to date you know adding all these little tricks to it and so when you throw it it might be good strategically to get an enemy up your back but you're going to want to go back and get it because you spent like a million bucks on it or something hmm. okay that's good to know but it, it's just well, well, if you really do ones, uh, uh, let me say it's um, there's a lot more RPG meat to it than I thought there would be uh, initially, which was surprising. Okay, that's fair. Uh, sweet. I'm trying to think of what else to talk about that. We should probably move on. All right. Yeah, Dead Island, because Chloe apparently didn't like it very much, but you thought it was okay, huh? It's fine. I mean, it's I played fine. with our, our friends from PSN Nation podcast. Oh, Glenn Torgo and. Oh, yeah. they had the he same appointment? Oh, wow. Exact same appointment. So it was pretty fun hanging out with them. They were, uh, he was the skinny little, he was the skinny Chinese tourist, Jame, and I was like the big drunk guy, and it was it was pretty fun. He was going crazy, hacking people up. I was, uh, I, I had like a special ability that when I, when I got raged out, I would launch a bunch of little throwing knives at people. So it was pretty fun. We were keeping each other alive, watching each other's backs. If I got knocked down, he would pull me back up. I would, if I got a weapon that was better suited for him, I would give it to him. Or if he got one that was better for me, he would give it to me. So it was a lot of cooperation. It was a lot of watching each other's backs, making sure everyone's okay. It was fun. Well, good. And there are some, there are guns in the game, but that's not the priority. Well, good. I, I'm All glad right. to hear this turning out good. People wanted another Borderlands for a while anyway, so this will scratch yep. that itch for people. Now, I, what I've been wanting for a while is a chance to play Bastion, and they had it on the show floor. Uh, WB Games is going to be publishing it. It's from Supergiant. This is the uh, RPG that's being to- uh, it's presented in isometric view. It's an action RPG. It's run around, beat em up, use skills, upgrade your character with different powers, abilities, and, and skill <laughs> boosts. It's been, uh, you've been seeing it for a while. This is also the one that everything you do in the game is narrated. And they were showing that off. They had the guy who did the narration there. He was there doing demos. So that was really cool. Uh, so this is... Uh, go check out a trailer of it if you haven't seen it. I played it. It plays well. It's so colorful. Uh, all the world... You know, everything in the in the world seems to be, like, randomly generated as, like, you're running through the world. It's really cool how it all just kind of fa- f- flies up from the, the bottom of the screen and forms a path that you're running on while you're going. And you get to destroy everything and beat up enemies use your skills, upgrade your weapons, upgrade your, uh, get different skill tonics that enhance your abilities. Really playing well. It's going to be out in July. Totally recommend people check it out. Keep their eye on it. If you want an action RPG beat-em-up, this is the one. It's not really meant for uh, multiplayer, obviously, but this is, uh, 
this has such a great uh, aesthetic to it. The art is fantastic. The colors are great, and the and the narration just t- you know sends makes it this unique package that everybody should check into. So totally recommending Bastion. Was really glad to find it on the show and to see that it's holding up to the hype it's got. So definitely recommending Bastion. Now, one we didn't get to try out, though, is Dragon's Crown. This was announced at the Sony press conference. It's a new Vanillaware game, and it's being done... It's going to be published here by Ignition. We don't really know when. Probably spring... I guess spring of 2012 is when. It'll be out on PlayStation 3 and Vita, and four-player co-op gameplay online is going to be supported for it. It's going to play... They said it's going to play like those Capcom Dungeons & Dragons games for the Saturn. I don't know if anybody here has played those. I certainly haven't. But I, I, I told Michael that, and he cringed. So apparently he really didn't like those particular beat-em-ups. <coughs> but, uh, so much for transferring, huh, Chris? Yeah, so much for transferring. Yeah, I know. And this is going to do the same thing that transferring does, right? Or like I guess, every Vita game just does that. It's like no big deal. Well, I don't... This isn't really transfer... I don't know if this is save transfer, but this is being able to play online with either version, right? Oh, that's cool. That's a little different. But it's a good way to get you to buy the same game twice. I mean, if you see the <laughs> trick that they're pulling here. Anyway, they'll have six different character types, fighter, Amazon, elf, dwarf, wizard, sorceress. The art is fantastic. It looks beautiful in its style. Well, not in its style, but beautiful in its technical implementation, like all the sprites of Vanillaware do. I hate the actual artwork style. It's these over-muscular, distorted, grotesque, muscle bodies. I heard someone saying that all the women here have a lot of junk in their trunk. Yeah, everything. It's just a lot of junk on everyone's bodies. It's very (laughs) gross. So I don't know if I actually care for the art after the style is presented. It's it's like, oh, it's got that, that great buildup and that great 2D sprightness of Vanillaware, and then they just ruin it with this weird, weird-looking crap. But go check it out. There's trailers out. See if you get into it. If you want to beat them up, you know, this is the year of the beat-em-up. Well, I guess this is going to be next year. will also be the year of the beat-em-up because this is coming out next year. And you can play it online with other people, and I guess there's RPG elements. I didn't get to see any demoed, but... If you like thick thighs, this might be the game for you. (laughs) And speaking of games that were technically at the show, but not really at the show, Neverwinter also fell into that category. This is a new one from Atari called just Neverwinter. Uh, Cryptic Studios was the one doing that, which is kind of weird because Cryptic Studios was sold to Perfect World. But uh, Neverwinter was at the conference under the Atari booth. So even though they sold Cryptic Studios... Uh, Atari is still going to publish the Neverwinter game, which makes sense since Atari owns the Dungeons and Dragons license. So, at least we know the game's continuing on and it's going to keep moving forward. They released a ton of new media. You can go check it out. Uh, we posted it all here. It's also on their official site. And all we know is that it's continuing. That's really the big news. So, if you've been following this new Neverwinter RPG, uh, it's kind of a it's another co-op, you know, five-player co-op in this time in this example so that seems like another beat-em-up action rpg so you know this genre is getting crowded this year but uh if you're too crowded you may want to take to living in the skies and that's what the people in skyward sword have done and uh, they just revealed during e3 at the nintendo press conference and of course at their booth that one of the ways that the people in the sky get around in skyward sword is flying around on big ass birds so I got to play this. I went to Nintendo's booth and I played this whole section where you're flying around in a big ass bird that apparently you can summon as your mouth throughout the game. And it's a big uh, red bird 
that you fly around on. It looks cool. They had big, uh, go check our Facebook photo album. You can see pictures of the big plastic replicas of this scene that they had on the ceiling of the Nintendo booth. Um, do you guys want to fly a bird around in Zelda? Does that sound like a good replacement for uh, Epona? Oh, Shadow4699 in the chat room says he wants an Epona Pegasus. Well, apparently you're not going to get that. You're going to get big flying bird. Anyway, it played fine, and uh, they had me fly around and capture this golden bird by in a big kind of twisted metal of flying birds, except nowhere near as as uh, bloody as twisted metal would be. So people bumping into me, trying to knock me out of the way and all that stuff. Uh, they, I had a couple other demos of Tw- Skyward Sword, you know, a little dungeon section and stuff, but the important part was a boss fight. And, man, I just can't swing the damn sword right in that game. <laughs> and that is just, it is like, it is, you you're supposed Skyward Sword is supposed to be like Wii Motion Plus. You can swing up and down. You can swing left to right. You can swing diagonal one way and diagonal the other way. And it's supposed to detect exactly what you do. And I just can't get the darn thing to trigger right. And I don't know if I was shaking it too hard, not hard enough, just doing it wrong. Probably just doing it wrong because that's what I do. I just do things wrong. But I was fighting this boss guy. He's really hard. And I'm really glad that they loaded me up with a ton of potions in my inventory that I was able to use to, to heal my health because that was the only way I was to beat him. But... Uh, if I could swing right, the boss fight was actually pretty cool because I had to react. I, it was like full-on action RPG, action RPG, well, action combat system where you have to block right, you have to evade, you dodge, you have to get around his defenses, wait for an opening, create an opening, do all that sort of stuff with your sword play and, and that you would expect from any big-budget action game. And it was right there with this boss fight there. I, just, I felt like uh, I was being hindered a bit with my controls. I couldn't do it just right. But that could have been because I sucked. Anyway, the game's shaping up to be uh, decent. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Zelda games nowadays in 3D, but uh, if you are, I imagine this would uh, still appeal to you quite well. So so don't feel bad about how this is turning out. And they have this nice, beautiful sky-flying section of the game now, so it's, it's looking to have a good aesthetic as well. Uh, was I the only one who got a chance to try that? Yeah. Um, I think Sarah did it with you, right? Yeah, uh, she didn't play. She just watched... So no, Chris. Okay, you had the exclusive. I had the exclusive. Great. Uh, I was hoping somebody who's f- more familiar with, uh, like Twilight Princess or something, could say something. But uh, yeah, no, I'm glad you got to go. I mean, it seems like out of everyone who went, it was you and Sarah who were the most interested. Oh, okay, cool. So look forward to that. It's coming soon. I don't know exactly when. What's the release date on Skyward? Anybody know? Uh, this year. Yeah, I know it's this year. I just don't know when. Hmm. Must be a oh, holiday season. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So October, November. Oh, Shadow says December. That's really late. Well, it's Especially not confirmed. For Nintendo. It's just holiday. All right. Holiday. <laughs> well, let's see. Oh. So while we were at E3, Turbine said, hey, while everyone's at E3, Let's release news about our new Lord of the Rings Online expansion and not talk about it at E3 at all. And that's what they did. So they have a new expansion called The Rise of Isengard coming. It's a free-to-play MMORPG, as you know. The Lord of the Rings Online went free-to-play quite a while ago, and they've been very, very happy with the results of that ever since they went free-to-play. So they've got a new expansion coming out. It's called The Two Towers, or it's part of The Two Towers. This is obviously when Saruman takes control of Isengard and all that stuff, and he's, uh, and, you know, making a big battle fortress, and then, I- ideally, 
I assume you're going to be able to play through all that stuff where the Ents go crazy and they smack down the fortress and all that stuff. It'll be out they're September 27th. They're taking the Hobbits to Isengard. Yes, they're taking the Hobbits to Isengard, to Isengard, to Isengard. So you can check that all out September 27th, but you can already buy it. <laughs> and if you pre-purchase it, you get extra benefits in the game, items, mounts, points for the content store, quest packs, bonuses. The expansion, <laughs> this is weird. There's multiple versions of the expansion ranging from $30 to $50 depending on what extra stuff you want to get with your package. So since it's free to play, um, a lot of the purchases in Lord of the Rings Online are package based. Like you buy this, you get this, 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 all this stuff value added to you. And so they'll have a lot of extras thrown in that you may or may not need. If you just need like the quest content and stuff, which is like really what these things unlock since you can play the game for free, right? You're just unlocking story quests and maybe some new high level zones. You can just pay the 30 bucks, and if you want a bunch of extra crap, you pay the 50 and that's how it goes. None of us play it, so we can't really comment on it that to that degree, and I don't think this is going to get me into it, because if you're free to play MMO, I don't expect you to have $30 expansions anymore, but uh, apparently they do, so figure that one out. You going to gonna get into Lord of the Rings Online, Ed? No, nah, you're not personally. Busy. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck up with EQ2. EQ2. You got to talk to the EQ2 people, didn't you? Yeah, briefly. I believe it was um, Smoke Jumper that I was talking to. I, I unfortunately I, I, I screwed up, and oh. he wasn't wearing his badge, and I couldn't. Re- and I, afterwards, I'm like, I know he's the producer. Pretty sure it was Smoke Jumper. I hope yeah, his name isn't like actually Smoke Jumper. No, that's his, his his name on the forums and all that. Would that just be his first name or his first and last names? If it was, you know, I don't know how that would work, but I, I Smoke Jumper. Know. That's just what he's called. Smokey the Jumper. <clears throat> Smokey and the Jumper. Okay. Yeah, I, I I think you're done. Did you get any good info out of him? Uh, I, I I asked him about one one of the things that apparently had been uh, accidentally slipped up uh, the day before I, I spoke with him was um, possibility of a new twenty fifth character class in EQ two. They have twenty four character classes. Wow, I didn't know they had uh, that many. A lot of it is if, if you include like the crafter classes. Oh, okay. Um. But what ended up happening is, you know, something accidentally was let slip that there, there, there was going to be a, a new one. But obviously, there's been no details on it. And, uh, yeah, still no details. Uh, <laughs> what, what's going to be happening is that uh, it's going to be uh, the actual full information on it is going to be uh, released at the uh, uh, their uh, fanfare that's going to be happening next month. Uh, I believe it's down in Vegas. And uh, that's when the official announcement's going to be. Um, and then we kind of chatted a little bit about some of the, the updates that have just been posted that are going to be happening uh, with them adding some new mounts. Uh, when, with the release of the Velius expansion, they added flying mounts. And so they are also going to be adding in some uh, kind of intermediary mounts now that are called going to be called leapers and gliders. Uh, because you cannot get the flying mounts until you're uh, level 85 in the game. Uh-huh. And so what these are going to be are, um, you know, at the lower lowest level, you know, you'll be able to get the, le- the leapers, which is just it'll allow you to be able to leap longer distances. Um, and then after a certain point, you'll be able to get the gliders, which will be kind of like the leapers, but um, you'll be able to mid jump basically th- uh, expand out some wings and glide for a while. Um, and there looks like in addition that they're going to be 
when they released the Flying Mouse, they uh, did some events for some races. And they're going to be doing some similar things for the new mounts, um, uh, just kind of for some fun, you know, uh, challenges and stuff for uh, just some events um, that will be coming out when they come out. Cool. So that should be good. Yes. Now, before we get into uh, just general games that we played on the show floor, I want to uh, go over one review that just went up today on RPGamer.com. I want to make sure you guys see it because this is a standout review. Hunted the Demon's Forge was reviewed by Adrian Donauden. He gave it a three and a half out of five, said detailed environment, solid mix of shooting and melee combat, great multiplayer options, but it has rigid aiming and sticky cover system and limited RPG elements. If you remember, this is the two player, <laughs> or is it three player? I think it's the two player co op uh, RPG that lets you take place of either like the tank guy or the range person, and you go and beat monsters up together. Uh, it's being, I think it's being published by Bethesda. Anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, it came out this past week to rather middling to poor reviews, right, Manny? Um, RP Gamer is one of the highest scores, and translated through Metacritic, that's only a 70. Well, three and a half out of five is pretty good for us, though, so I don't know. That's Well, IGN gave it a 60, GameSpy, 60. GameSpot, a 50. Hmm. it's, It's Fantasy Gears of War. And people don't seem to really like it. I think mm. they like the the range character, but the melee guy is is what it seems everyone seems to have a problem with. Interesting. But Adrian kind of liked it. I mean, three and a half out of five is a good score in our system, so you might want to check that out. Read his review at the very least. Read some of the other reviews. See if you're into that. Well, I, I should put it this way: it's not necessarily bad. I mean, it's funny how in this day and age, if it's not a ninety, it's a bad game. Well, there's so many; and, it's it's easier to be picky. But yeah, it's not a bad game. It seems like it's a fairly middle-of-the-road game, you know. It's decent. It's not great. It's not bad. It's mm-hmm. just like a decent game. I think people may be expecting more from it. I... What can I say? Hmm. So, that's Hunted <laughs> the Demon's Forge. So, what we should talk about some more is... Ooh. Well, you, oh, here's what, what, one. What, what, one what, 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 what? Yes. I just I just checked IDN's lasting appeal really thing. I only this like the only thing I I checked from them. Playing through hunted at normal pace will take uh, will take more than ten hours, and it, uh, about ten hours. But it seems like no one else. There's no reason to go back and do it again. So bear, I think that should bear that in mind when you buy this. Pick up this game. Okay, so it's a bit short. Well, I, I know RP gamers always complain about games that are under thirty. No, you're right. 10. You're absolutely right. You're right. Though I. I don't anymore because I've got enough games to play, so I appreciate shorter games now. Mm-hmm. Right? Something I never used to appreciate, <laughs> as long as it's good. I remember you, when I first started coming on the podcast, you'd get, this game's only 40 hours? Ridiculous. <laughs> I don't think I ever said that, but okay. <laughs> I, I want that quote if I did. Somebody hit me with that. That's funny. Uh, let's see. So we covered, there were a ton of RPGs at the show floor. We covered pretty much all of them. Uh, I was thinking we should go down the list and talk about some of them or talk about our, our standouts. Uh, just hit them up one by one and, and work down this crazy, crazy list. But first, oh, no, still not around. Just checking to see if uh, Michael is around. <laughs> I thought you could say, but first, a message from our sponsors. Yeah, first, a message from our sponsors. Well, you we know, have I sponsors? Do have, I have a voice message from a listener. I could play that. Wow, with that rousing cry, I think that's a yes. 
Let's see. Inbox. Refresh. Apparently there's two. All right. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to... Shadow, tell me. Do I play both of these or just one of them? So we have to wait for him to reply. Do, 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 do. This is where we do the dance. Read some news. Dallas police are shutting down all exit ramps from I-35 into downtown because people are rioting in Dallas. Go Dallas. Apparently they want... So I have to play both of these? Man, they're so long. Wait, why are people rioting in Dallas? They won basketball. Right. Hey, everybody on RPG Cast. It's me coming at you again, Shadow4699. Uh, just wanted to leave some positive feedback this time and uh, talk about some RPG-related news. Um, first off, I'm going to say it's a great podcast. Um, I just started listening about... Maybe last year, and then now I'm actually on my spree from going to one, and I'm listening to the current ones, of course, as well. And right now, I am, like, on 121. I'm on a roll. Just listening to one every day. Just gotta don't finish it, but I listen to it every day. And um, I just wanted to say it's a great podcast. And also in uh, RPG-related news, I just wanted to say that... Um, actually, I just wanted to ask you a question, really. Do you think that the Wii U, uh, the newly announced Wii U, is going to have any um, uh, um, RPGs on it, hopefully? Um, also, have you heard about Nintendo's apparently secret um, big game releasing thing? Because I know there was a thing in uh, the original Sumar Galaxy where it was hidden, but you could find a train, and people thought that this alluded to Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks. And then there's also the thing in Sumar Galaxy 2 and Superburn Galaxy, when there were those little ghosts, and people called them ghosts, thinking that it was hitting to Luigi's Mansion 2, and then, look, we have Luigi's Mansion 2 announced. Um, just wanted to know your opinions. Again, great podcast. Um, I'll always remain a loyal uh, reader of RP Gamer and listener to RPG Cast and RPG Cast. RPG, uh, RPG Cast and RPG Backtrack. Um, I'll start RPG Sanctum probably when I'm done with RPG Cast and RPG Backtrack. I don't mean done, done, but I mean, like, after listening to all of them. So, uh, again, great podcast, and uh, bye. Okay, a little bit long, but the uh, question remains, what's Wii U going to do for RPGs? We didn't really talk about Wii U at all on the show so far. And Nintendo announced its new console. They've got that crazy innovative controller that has the six-inch touchscreen on it and that can interact with your Wiimotes and stuff. We saw them put the thing down on the ground. It had a golf ball on it. You swing your Wii remote at it, and it hit the golf ball, and it was crazy, and everybody cheered. Do you think this is going to add anything cool to the world of RPGs? Well, before we get to that, Chris, did you actually get to try this out? Yeah. What do you think of it? Um, I think there were a lot of tech demos, and we can't judge anything based on those tech demos yet. I mean, that's how they work. Did you like at least the feel of the controller? Controller felt fine. It was it was light. It was easy enough to hold, and uh, Zelda looked beautiful both on it as well as the main screen. They showed a little HD demo of what Zelda was going to look like. Looks like a great gaming system that potentially. Uh, depends what's going to be made for it. Uh, they did a rhythm action game with it as well, where you're moving the thing around. It was kind of cool. Like the gyroscope <laughs> in that thing works, and it tracks your position. So, uh, you know how with the Vita and the 3DS, you can do alternate re- uh, augmented reality games where you hold it up and you aim the camera at something, and it layers something from the game system on top of what it's seeing through the camera, right? Well, mm-hmm. here it doesn't have a camera on the back, but what it does let you do is it, it acts like this mobile. Um, viewport into the world around you. So as you spin the thing around, you're looking at the game world. So I'm turning around and I see ocean as far as the eye can see, like even behind me. And it's like, whoa, it's like I'm looking through this little window into the game world. And that's kind of cool and can be used for interesting things. 
because it knows like where you're aiming at. So I'm looking forward to how that sort of thing could be used. You can very basic demo use that thing as a shield. You could block stuff with it, uh, and I'm sure people can come up with a lot more complicated stuff than that. Hero and I had a little chat about some of the cool things that it would be be able to do with the Harvest Moon series. So that was really exciting. Like what? I don't want to talk about them. <laughs> well, thanks for being a tease. <laughs> oh, well, okay. One of the things that I actually I discussed it with Graham is um, being able to use the Wii U remote to, you know, uh, you know, put the remote forward and pick up an animal and then they would be in the remote and you could do your grooming and feeding of them by hand. Yeah, see, that's a great idea. So kind of bring some of those Harvest Moon DS features to the to the console or something, in theory at least, since obviously Graham doesn't make the Harvest Moon games. No. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of cool. I, I'm looking forward to, to innovative just applications to gaming in general. As far as RPGs go, like the biggest one that they showed was really from the Zelda thing where you can just have your inventory on this touch screen down here or a map always on this screen down here while you're playing the game on your TV, and you can interact with it with your fingers and, and kind of control that and have it more convenient for you. So kind of a lot of the dual, uh, a lot of the DS benefits to RPGs immediately transferable now to the console. But uh, the question is, what will come to it first? I'm thinking Zelda, and I don't know what else. Mass Effect, I think. Yeah, Mass Effect. <laughs> And Seattle says you can move the controller up and down to milk cows, Anna. So there's there's another one for you. I mean, EA got on stage to talk about how they're going to support this platform, and one of the pictures behind them was a Mass Effect. I don't. Oh, really? I don't see why they couldn't put Mass Effect Two and Mass Effect Three on this platform. Well, I don't either. It's just uh, not usually a Nintendo thing. But now that it's HD, I guess that's all they need. Well, neither is Metro Twenty Thirty Three and shooting dudes and cutting up and slitting their throats. But hey, yeah, they announced that as well, as well as a <laughs> Ghost Recon game. Of course, nobody had any real footage of that stuff, um, except the Ghost Recon one, I think. I think that was mostly real. I think we could expect to see every third-party RPG hit this platform. If it's going to be Xbox, three, it's going to be 360, PS3, Wii U. What about once the next gen of consoles hits, though? And when I say, and, and I, I, I know I what you mean. It's a stupid and way of saying it, but I mean like the next level of graphic fidelity of consoles. Like I, I know what you mean, and I don't know what they're going to do. Downres it. Yeah, I mean, because the, the Nintendo one will be behind, um, so I don't know how that's going to work. But I guess it'll just be the little stepchild. But at least it's HD, and that's that's the important part. Yeah, there you go. They have two years of parody. Two years you're giving them, I guess. Yeah, I suppose well, that makes sense. Halo Four on Xbox 360 next year. Mm-hmm. Which means, what, 2013, 2014 for a 360? I hope I mean, so, but we'll see. The 720. 720, yeah. 720. <laughs> and then when, it's a three, when, you get, when we get to, all right, then a 1080. Yeah. All right. So let's, uh, let's start down our list, I guess, of games we saw at E3. Or should have seen at 3 E3. So first off, we've got Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. Manny, you got to see this. And so did you. You thought it was yeah. so boring you fell asleep. Right? I fell asleep uh, three or four times throughout the demo. And I was pleased <laughs> to see an article go up on Friday from Sarcastic Gamer where basically he agreed that the demo was so boring that he fell asleep as well. 
Um, Could it have been that you saw this on the third day and you were just tired? It was partially because I saw it on the third day at 1 o'clock, as well as the speaker was very not dynamic. It was a very boring speaker. The room was completely dark and properly air-conditioned, and it was just like, here, sleep in a box. But uh, (laughs) that's what it felt like to me. But, uh, you know, that said, the game looks pretty good in theory. Um, Nothing was so exciting, obviously, to keep Uh, me awake. So why don't you hype me some? All right, all right, because I had the complete opposite reaction. I saw this early in the morning, first thing I saw at E3 on day three. And I was I was taken aback. I spent a lot of time playing Oblivion and games similar to Oblivion, and this seems like it's taken everything they've learned from those games and taken it to the next level. Smooth UI, I mean really nice, intuitive UI, sort of layered on top of the world rather than like a separate menu. Like, for example, the map sort of just zooms out, from where your character is and you get to see sort of like a terrain, real-time terrain map of where you are. You look up to the heavens to adjust your skill set. That was so awesome, by the way, when he did that. Yeah. You could even rotate every single item in your inventory to see the back, the front of it. So it just more of immerse you more into this world. And like even when just opening up a book, it feels like you're actually opening a book up, flipping through each individual page. Like, you know, little touches that make you feel more attached to it. But as far as the actual game goes, it looks so much better than Oblivion did. Looks better than Fallout 3 did, and uh, the combat seems a lot more dynamic, quick and easy. It uh, well, so what did he use? Like the D-pad to quickly switch between abilities? Um, yeah, that's what it looked like. Yeah, so just you have a, a left trigger. Your left trigger controls your your left hand. Your right trigger controls your right hand, and you can quickly switch between all your different abilities, or you can favorite abilities, and you can quickly switch between those favorite abilities. So you can be like sword and shield really quickly, quickly switch out to have a a healing spell in one hand and a fire spell in the other hand, or two healing spells, you do an even bigger healing spell when you combine them together. You can dual wield swords, you can have a torch in one hand, you can have a sword in the other hand. But I think I was most impressed was with the dungeons themselves. Because if you spend any time in Oblivion, or even in Fallout 3 for that matter, all those little dungeons, those underground places are always so dark, oppressive, and they all look the same. Less identical, absolutely identical and dark. Which means you always have to have a... Sh- I always had to have a light spell or a torch with you at all times. But these places, they actually had natural lighting sources, like cracks in the wall that would show sunlight from the outside world, torches everywhere. And each place, and the one that they showed showed us actually had like a real sense of place. It looked like a real place that existed within this world. There was breaks in the wall for where where water was coming through. uh, There was uh, actual people living in there. And like the the what were they called the dead ricks dead eights whatever the zombies yeah instead of just hanging out there looking for people looking for people to kill they'd actually rise from their grave get up and come after you just all these little touches that made you feel like this is actual place more more so than before and one interesting thing they said is that everything that you see an npc doing you yourself can do so if if you see an npc sharpening a sword or cutting wood, or milking a cow, or whatever. You can do those tasks, too, to sort of, I don't know, as part of quests, to make money, just to milk a cow, I don't know. Fair enough. mm -hmm. They showed a little bit of blacksmithing, though. I guess you didn't do it, but... Oh, they didn't show us any blacksmithing. They didn't show, walking up to the guy in the town? Hmm. They talked to him for like a second. They didn't actually yeah. make anything. Yeah, they didn't make anything. They said, you can okay. do this, but they didn't show it off, which was kind of like, oh, thanks. I know. But, I just seem so... Oh, and the dragon battles look so great. 
There was definitely nothing that exciting that you were. I mean, yeah. Did you have most, uh, in yours? Then the dragon battles go different for each demo because the dragons kind of have a mind of their own. For for exactly. ours, we were fighting a, a fire dragon, and partway through, this ice dragon comes in. Uh, I don't know if that's how it went for you, but yeah. Okay, so it's like as soon as he fi- f- killed the fire dragon, this ice dragon comes in. He goes up on top of a tower, shoots out this gigantic dragon's breath spell that changes the weather system of the entire area, k- kicks out thunderstorms that start lightning the, the, the ice dragon out of the sky, which is pretty sweet. And just sort of like this big thump as it crashes through the ground and all the dirt sort of gets disrupted in front of him. Yeah. And it's, it's just interesting how this dragon hunting is going to work because it's not like there's a limited number of them or there's oh, the one on the mountain there's just dragons in the world and you'll find them and you better be ready to deal with them i remember uh uh was it uh todd howard who's behind this game yeah he was telling a story about how he was just sort of walking by and he sees two dragons flying through the th- flying through the front of the sky and yes for on a lark he decides to shoot an arrow up at them you know, he doesn't come anywhere close to hitting them, but he sort of just shoots it up at them, and he keeps on walking about his way. And then all of a sudden, he hears these, like, these big roars behind him. He's pulled both dragons, and now all of a sudden, he's being chased through the woods, fire and ice on both sides. And he's just trying to run as fast as he can to escape these things, because he, he, he just sort of you know, poked the hornet's nest at that point. And you could potentially do that, too. Nice. And there's a reason to kill them, too, right? Because every time you kill them, you absorb... Their dragon soul, which you can use to unlock special dragon shouts, which is a new form of magic. These powerful, because apparently because you're dragonborn, you can have, you can use dragon languages that use the dragon language to do different spell effects. So like that lightning spell that Chris was talking about, that's a dragon shout, and you need to find three different words, and you need to empower three, both all three words with a different dragon soul. So I'm sure you're going to be doing a lot of dragon hunting in this game. Pretty cool. That is Oblivion in a nutshell. Dragons, y'all. <laughs> yeah, basically, that's the, that's the uh, that's, that is the summary of Oblivion this year, though. Dragons, yo, uh, pretty cool. Uh, moving on down the list, White Knight Chronicles two. Nobody saw it, did they? Nope. It was supposed to be there. It was at D 3s booth. That's why. I have and, no idea where that was. Yeah, I didn't. D three is a people who published Puzzle Quest among other things, and they're going to be doing White Knight Chronicles two. And nobody realized they had it there, so we didn't see it. That's okay. From what I've heard of the reviews, probably better off not seeing it. Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. Did you see this, Manny? Um, I waited in line like maybe twenty minutes to see the demo. Except I was tired. It was on the third day, on the first day, when I was the most sick and the most tired. Yeah. So I fell asleep a couple times during the presentation. Uh... But the game looks awesome from what I was there. It's basically. Uh, it's Oblivion in third person, but with I, Fable yeah. bright graphics. That's what I saw as well, and that's exactly what hit me. It was like, this is very Oblivion-esque with uh, very bright graphics. Um, so it just but seemed refined, like a very cleaned-up Oblivion. And, exactly. And it's, it felt more Oblivion to me, so I'm, I'm in a way I'm kind of more hopeful for this than Skyrim, since Skyrim didn't you know, knock my socks off, and it seems like it's changing its combat, maybe simplifying it too much. But on the other hand, it's like, who the heck are these people? And it's just going to feel like completely generic fantasy i'm hoping the story holds up you know well you have already salvatore doing the story right well that's a good sign isn't it (laughs) well well, it's true like this one has a more of i would say uh oblivion i mean skyrim has more like refined oblivion combat first person but with multiple triggers and multiple things to do but this one's more like a god of war type type of action third person action very dynamic lots of interesting uh lots of interesting animations lots of spell effects sort of jumping all around and of course, you have the sneaking around, traps, pickpocketing, 
uh, your weapons change dynamically if you have your shield equipped or your big, your big two-handed sword. So it's yeah, imagine like Oblivion mixed with an RPG, I guess. Yep. I mean, oh, wait. Obliv- Oblivion mixed with a little bit of God of War combat. There you go. That makes more sense. A little bit better, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> so I guess we got wow, we got a lot. And of Anna, you weren't joking. This is the year of the action RPG. Next up, Mass Effect Three. <laughs> Mass Effect Three, and I got to see that. I I waited in line an hour and a half to see this. Uh, got to in there. What was the sweet swag you got? Uh, nothing. Absolutely no swag. Aww. No swag at all. Uh, Mass Effect Three. They showed it. They. Uh, Basically, uh, started off a lot of similar stuff to the demo you saw. They kind of showed a few different pieces. One was that that piece that you saw in the Microsoft press conference where you go in to save the female Krogan, and they showed some of the combat and stuff, which looks like Mass Effect 3, um, or Mass Effect 2, so I didn't, not much to say on that point. Uh, the thing that really hit me out of the demo, and since we're kind of pressed for time, I'll just focus on that, that, and I can't remember much else out of the darn thing. Wait, I have notes. Hold on. Sorry for dead air, but I have notes, and that's going to help a lot. So um, they, they emphasize that this is the galactic war, and this is you know this is the summary of this is the final culmination of everything you've been playing to up to now. Yeah, blah blah blah. They they did reemphasize that your decisions starting in Mass Effect One are going to show up in Mass Effect Three. So expect to get some payoff for some of that stuff. They didn't show any though, so that worries me. Why couldn't they have showed some of that? Well, really, for example, me. like. A- Ashley and uh, Kaiden are back. Yeah, so I mean, there is that. So you get some of that relationship stuff back. Uh, Large-scale combat. uh, They're showing off uh, fighting a Reaper. Uh, Like one of the first things they showed was that you know Reapers invading Earth, and you have to like deal with them. Uh, No way. Do the unreal sequence. Uh, yeah, where, uh... Oh, that's the part that everyone groaned at. It's like, oh, what do you mean? None of my Mass Effect. The big on rails shooter sequence that's in every shooter like Gears of War or Halo. Well, I I don't know. Um, All I know is that Shepard got taken up into the Normandy and got in front of a gun turret and had to start shooting the thing. Yeah, that's the part that everyone's groaning about. Okay, well, I thought it was a cool departure. I mean, why why not throw one of them in there? Why not? I don't know. Because it's in everything else. Okay, well, I haven't played Gears of War, so I don't know these things. Um, right. So they have that that on rail shooting. You you've got vehicle combat. You're fighting the Reaper, and oh my gosh, you need to like deal with that. They also showed a scene that was a separate scene where you're fighting a Reaper. They showed uh oh Cerberus is the enemy now. They've been indoctrinated by the Reapers, so this is like big deal that they've um. The, I'm assuming it's regardless of any of your decisions in Mass Effect Two that they're showing up as enemies now because they've been kind of taken over. Um, let's see. Change, find, what the heck? I can't even read my own notes here. Take, wow. Find Hotch. I don't know what that means. But Go to Hoth. Find, yeah, if you find Hoth, you can get in a speeder battle. <laughs> uh, okay, but you can you can change your looks and functions of your weapons. That was a big deal. Like, oh, yeah, you can weapon mod your mods. weapons. Uh, you, can, yeah. you can completely style them to the way that you play the game. So if you tend to be more stealthy and you want to do like more silency type stuff, you tailor the weapons that way. If you want to be running gun or if you want to be guns blazing, you 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 know, you tailor your weapons towards yeah. that. And apparently the mods each have like different stats, like maybe twenty percent to accuracy, thirty percent cooldown, sixty percent faster reload, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so they're trying to give you some RPG control over your weapon loadout. So that's nice. There's still world exploration as as you're used to in Mass Effect. Uh, they oh, definitely they better. showed 
they showed a scene where the, you had at least three different landing sites on one world. So it sounded like they have a lot of locations for you to go to, even within the same world. Um, Which is great, finally, because I always felt like you go to a planet, but not really. You're just going to a city, like a little I, town. I mean, you're going to a city in each in, in each place, so it's it's not. Don't get oh, don't go that. Don't overreact to the feature, but uh, it, it's there at least. It still doesn't look like they have the random crash sites that you had in Mass Effect One, where you're just hunting down a probe to get some stats out of it. But mm-hmm. you know, that's okay. They probably don't need to add that back in. Uh, no lunar rover stuff that I could see, because that also is still not back. Uh, what they did show at the very end of the demo was a very extended story scene um, to try and hit home uh, exactly what's going on because the Reapers are attacking Earth because guess what? People still don't believe you until they actually show up and it's like, Shepard, go get help because otherwise everyone's going to die here even if you stay. So they have this big, long scene which is doing its job of showing you the chaos that's going on, how many Reapers are landing on the human cities, uh, you're fighting with Anderson side by side, which is awesome. If you like read any of the Mass Effect fiction books, you've been wanting to hang out with Anderson for a long time. You're fighting with him. You're you're, you're trying to save people. They show um, they show some emotional attachments, and uh, they they show that this is going to be a more serious story because uh, there's some there's some mature things that they they demonstrate in the scene, and I'm not going to spoil it for you because. Um, it was actually really, really well done, and it had me um, hopeful that the story is going to be rather mature this time around. And not that it wasn't, but like this is like really movie storytelling mature. And um, I'm hoping that they kind of hold up with that for the whole game. So really look forward to improved storytelling and kind of refinements and optimizations of everything you saw in Mass Effect 2. And they're going to make this a serious contender for you know RPG of the Year once again. So this thing's going um, to I there. wondered a little bit how long this game is going to be because it seems like they have such a tight story to tell and there's such a pressing you have to get back to Earth as quickly as possible. So I wonder if it's going to be like a tighter, more cinematic experience or it's going to be this, like the big middle section where you get to wander around <laughs> scanning each planet for resources and taking on silly little side missions. You know, in I my was- head, I get the idea that you're going to have plenty of time to run around and do all the side missions you want, but um, I think what they're going to do is try and tailor all the side missions to feel like it's worth your time to do them. Yeah. Because, you know, there's it could be that dissonance where I'm, I'm helping a guy find his lost dog on <laughs> Earth is getting destroyed by Reapers. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they won't have anything like that. Well, his lost robo-dog. Yes. <laughs> All right, next up is Terra, but anybody we had who played that is not here, I don't think. We do have a video uh, uh, interview going up tomorrow, yeah, we right? Yeah, a video interview going up tomorrow. Check that out. Uh, Manny, was of orcs or men in RPG or not? Um, yes. Yes. Uh, give me one second. I will tell you right about it. I just need to run. Be, be right back. Okay. Just get uh, to the next one. Yeah, and the, the next one is Fable the Journey. I already talked about that. Dark Souls. I played some Dark Souls, and oh my god, I got my my butt handed to me. So Dark Souls is very much like Demon Souls was. Let's just it's Demon Souls, but it's still hard. You still need to be careful with every step you take. Uh, the graphics and stuff look a tiny bit better, but it's still the same labyrinthine it's levels. It's not being done by Atlas this time. It's not being published by Atlas this time. It's being published by Namco Bandai here, as well as uh, as well as in Japan. So, uh, I mean, you know. It was from software the whole time, so it's not like Atlas had anything to do with it. They just ran the servers. So uh, this is a expect the same thing you got with uh, Demon Souls, and uh, also one major change that's making it so much more Chris friendly. 
checkpoints throughout the levels called bonfires. So when you hit a bonfire, you will start there next time you die instead of at the very beginning of the level. And that makes a huge difference for people who get completely frustrated with starting over completely every time they die. So I think that's going to help raise the game's appeal a bit more. Maybe hopefully make it slightly less niche, but honestly, given the gameplay is still so hardcore, uh, I don't know that it's going to really accomplish that. But Dark Souls, very, very, very much like the first one, but with bonfires, an important distinction. Manny, you back to tell us about Of Orcs and Men? Uh, yes. So the, uh, these guys are their French developer. I think this is, uh, these are also the people who are doing the Game of Thrones strategy game, and I think just barely starting work on the Game of Thrones RPG. Remember these guys, sir? Um, no. Okay. Well, anyway, I I heard I saw announcement trailer of the Game of Thrones game, but I, they they showed nothing of the gameplay in it. So, well, Orcs and Men is um uh, another action RPG, but this one seems like a more tighter, linear focus. Like maybe say twenty hours or so, and you're controlling two characters the entire time: an orc, a big large orc, and a small goblin, and uh. The orc is a lot more action-oriented. He uh, has big weapons. He's using rage and fury attacks to take people down. And, uh, and the goblin's more like a stealth character. So the orc will stay behind while you're, while you're going off and sneaking up to people, killing them with one hit or trying to get around obstacles. And you need to like sort of like imagine Mario and Luigi, but with a big fantasy orc and goblin running around doing different tasks. And like sort of a tight narrative that sort of follows their journeys. I, I think... In this universe, um, orcs and goblins are an endangered species because humans are hum- humans are enacting a genocide upon them. They think that orcs and goblins are too dangerous to have around, so they need to kill them all. And you sort of start out this game with this orc who uh, whose family's been killed by humans, and he's trying to find. He's trying to. I don't know if he's trying to get revenge or trying to find out what happened to them or why this is happening or stop the genocide. It's sort of like I know what it is. It's like a uh, jeez. What's that Quentin Tarantino game where you go kill Hitler? I mean movie. In Inglorious Bastards? It's like Inglorious Bastards. They're going to go kill the king who's trying to enact a genocide upon all the goblins and orcs. They were, they're going to go kill them, get some revenge, and to stop this from happening to any more families. The goblin's a little bit more mysterious. You don't really, really know what's going on with him, but they're tagging along. So it's sort of like this buddy cop movie adventure, sort of very focused. You know, it's broken up into chapters. It looks decent. It looks fine. I mean, graphically, it looks all right. It's still very early. I so. I don't know what more I can tell you than what I uh, told you, than what I said right now. Basic skill tree, progression for each guy. You can change their weapons to armor as they level up. It, it's, it was like a 20-minute presentation or less. So yeah, that's fine. I think I gave, you the, I gave you the basic rundown. All right. Of Orcs and Men, that title is terrible. They need to change that. But. You know, the funny thing is I, apparently a lot of people were asking them because they thought it was inspired of, of Mice and Men. Oh, because really? one of the orcs is very large and apparently not as smart as the goblin who's small and a little brighter. So like, oh, Vin, you know, I'm thinking, of course, this is of mice and men. Why didn't I see this earlier? And it's like, no, actually, we get that question a lot. It has nothing to do with that. It's just two strange coincidences. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe they change the name. <laughs> I think they should, but whatever. Hmm. <laughs> so... Let's see what's next on the list. It is Dragon Nest. 
So Dragon Nest is the game I played. I've talked about this on the podcast before. It's an action RPG from Nexon. Um, it's third person. It's really fast. You you pound on your keys on your keyboard to do lots of different attacks. You've got your special attacks, and you combo them all together. It's all about doing combos. So it's very kind of a pseudo Devil May Cry, you know, as close to that as you can get in an MMO. Wait. Yeah. Action RPG, you said, is not a free-to-play? It's a free-to-play MMO with an action RPG combat system. Okay. So check that out. So you're running around in, in circles and arenas. You're killing all these enemies, and then you move on to the next level. Um, and they have dungeons as well. They were showing off the PvP. We were playing against other people. We kind of had a... Um, this was PvP without attacking each other. It was really weird. So you're just getting kill counts on your side, and whoever got to eight first won. And then they say there's going to be actual PvP as well. Looking really good. Go check out the videos of it, um, because that, that speaks to its strengths a lot better. It's just the aesthetic feel of that game, and it's a free-to-play, but it doesn't look like crap, is kind of the, the big draw to Dragon Nest. Uh, Vindictus was also there, but that's out now. You can go try that. I don't really want to spend a lot of time on that. Um, but apparently there, there will be some new content they're releasing soon that they're trying to make everyone aware about, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember, even remember what it was. I mean, okay. it's, it's hard for me to get up, you know, all going on about games that are already out. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> King Arthur 2, the role-playing war game. Did anyone check that out? No. It was Ed and Chloe, right? It was Chloe and Fox that went to the appointment. Ed, tell us about King Arthur 2. Hello. I think he muted himself because he was coughing. Oh, exactly. Hey there. <laughs> uh, the the demo that we got was kind of fairly brief. Um, pretty much what we got got to see was just a uh, kind of how the the battles are going to be working out in it, and I don't know. It, it, the The battles are, are. It's hard for me to describe it because. I am so not a tactical person, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but the, as far as like the it, graphically, it makes things seem massive when you're doing the the actual battles. Um, unfortunately, I was Chloe. What? I think was doing more of it than I was. Okay. Um, That's okay. Yeah, I kind of fail at that. Yeah, that's fine. So, massive battles is is the key takeaway. Yeah. And you're King Arthur. That's always cool. The first one's already out on Steam. You can go get it. They were giving out free codes to just download it. Um, Yeah. It is a strategy game. So, it's like tactical RPG, right? So, the role-playing game. Yeah, and it's just, I'm sorry. I've never been a tactical RPG. That's okay. Or... I know one of the ones we saw was a Facebook game, apparently, right? This one was not a Facebook game. I'm sure okay. of that. <laughs> All right. What was the other one they showed you in that appointment, Ed? Uh, we looked at we, briefly. We took a look at Magica, which that right. um, that was that's fun. I mean, what they're, the, we got to try out the uh, the PvP, which uh, is, I believe is releasing very soon, or if it hasn't already released. Um, and oh, it's oh, sorry. Just, what's PvP? PvP. Oh, PvP. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, uh, I, I got to kick Chloe's butt on that. Uh, so that was good. Uh, <laughs> we didn't, we just kind of looked at that briefly. Uh, the other one that uh, we were able to look at, which I am blanking on the name of, but I have their catalog here. Um, Starts with M, I think you said. 
Uh, I thought that's what it was. Uh, Chloe said it was a different one. Okay. Uh, but it it it's kind of ends up being um, the way the way I can think of it is kind of like a, a Sims World ish. Uh, it, it is RPG ish. Uh, basically, what you end up doing is you are a you play out the life of a uh, a ruler uh, from childhood all all the way on up. Uh, and oh god, there there was a, a an amazing amount of granular things that you can do. Um, so I mean, if, if you're the kind of person that really likes to get in depth and detailed on things. That may be up your alley. Was it like um, Crusader Kings 2 or something? Or? No? I am blanking okay. on it. No, I'm trying to figure out what it is because it'd be good to tell people the title. Or the King's Crusade or something like that. No? Okay. Yeah. I think it was Crusader Kings now that I think about it. Well, let's see. Crusader Kings 2, Defenders of Ardania, and Sword of the Stars 2 are the only other three games they had. So the one that's an RPG is Crusader Kings 2. So that's Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was it. Um, yeah, me personally, I, me personally, it's probably not something I'm going to play because it, it was... There were way... For, for, it, it's definitely not something that you're, I think you're going to be doing as a, on, as a casual thing. Uh, there's just way too much... Um, granular detail on on just the world mm-hmm. yeah okay great thank you ed uh next up anna i think you've talked can talk to us about rusty hearts who is this one by no i can't you made this mistake on the wrap-up too oh you didn't play rusty hearts <laughs> oh chloe did no. Uh, no, it was Michael and Noodle. Michael and Noodle. Oh, and you Michael fail all around. So tell us about Crimson Alliance. So uh, Fox dragged us over to this game, and he was like, you guys need to play this. So um, it's being compared to Gauntlet, not just well, I, I, Fox, I, com- but- I compared it to Gauntlet. Well, I, Michael and I um, used to play a ton of Gauntlet Dark Legacy, and it's just it's 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 a simple, you know game that you can just go slogging through it's 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 just a ton of fun simple you know when you get to get some get some friends together and you can just go play and have fun and um the feel of it was very much felt like uh gauntlet did except as if um you know it were to be brought forward and really expanded on uh looking at it like it has a lot more of like rpg elements than than gauntlet did and um Basically, it, it it would be what I would love to have seen, you know, Gauntlet having been um, expanded upon more. And uh, I enjoyed it. All the, right. The brief time. Yeah. So it, it was, an impression. Go ahead. I don't know. It, it was funny because I was just like walking past the uh, the Xbox uh, live booth and, and the guy was like, I, I guess, saw the badge, saw the RP, RP Gamer and... and I was like, oh, you got to come over and try this. So I did. The only person who ever um, did that. I know, seriously. The, I never got treated like that. <laughs> I, uh, it was funny because before we were set up, to, <clears throat> we, we have an impression that's written and it'll go up in a couple of days. We have uh, a video. Is that up yet? Uh, the video it interview is, is up, right? 
It is uploaded. I don't know that what know that it ever got put up on Index yet. Nope, none okay. of the videos have been put up on Index yet. Okay, that'll be happening. But it's on Facebook. Check out our Facebook. Um, so we have a video interview, and it's actually really funny because before we started taping, I was talking with uh, one of the girls that owns the company, and I was like, "This is Xbox 360 right now. Is it ever going to come to the PS3?" And she smiles and she says, "Well, currently it's Xbox Live exclusive." And she sort of does the bat eyelash thing at me, and I was like, "Ah, <laughs> okay." The whole, I see what you did there. <laughs> I see what you did there. Nice. All right. Uh, Dungeon Siege 3 was also on the show floor, but I don't think any of us bothered to play it. Right? Not my cup of tea. Well, you know, and more importantly, there's a demo out on all three platforms now. You can try it out on PC, PS3, 360. What you couldn't do on PS3, 360 until this show floor hit was play Final Fantasy 13 2. And I checked that out a couple times. And oh my gosh. That is like Final Fantasy 13, but, uh, you know, with some refinements, including adding a Moogle. So there's now a Moogle who's joined your party and is trying to help you deal with this whole mess of alternate realities. So it sounds like you've got the, you're Sarah, or you're, Sarah's in your party. This dude named Noel's in your party. And he's trying to put together and avoid this reality where everybody dies. And this is still happening in the world of Final Fantasy XIII. It takes place after Final Fantasy XIII, hence the name Final Fantasy XIII-2. Sarah and Noel have teamed up. There's this mool here. They're trying to put together... They're trying to save the future or some crap like that, because that's what you do in RPGs. Um, and the- Noel would be hotter if he was shirtless. Sure, I can't really comment on that. However, you're trying to... There's Moogles <laughs> flying around with you, and he lets you, uh, you know... You know, when you run in around in Final Fantasy 13, there's enemies on the map. They show up, you attack them, hopefully you get the jump on them, and then you get uh, a preemptive attack on them. Well, the Moogle's showing up because the enemies aren't always there on the map. They keep zooming in. They keep, like, materializing on the map at different points while you're running around the level. But you get to see them, and you can try and run away from them. Or you can run up and attack them. And the Moogle has a little timer that's going down. As it ticks down, uh, it goes from getting a preemptive attack to a normal attack to just downright sucking, and they get a preemptive attack on you. So the sooner you hit them, the better for you. Uh, Hey, Chris. Yeah? Did you notice the fact that Sarah uses the Moogle to beat stuff up? That's right. He turns into her weapon. So he turns into like a, a bow for her and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool as well. But you don't really get to notice it while you're battling because the battles tap happen so fast because it's Final Fantasy thirteen. Inside the battles, it's just like Final Fantasy thirteen, where it's mostly you dealing with... Um, it's mostly you dealing with... Uh, you know, trying to take care of all your, uh, uh, what formation I should be in. And that's how, you know, it it goes down. Am I going to be in defensive formation, attack, offensive formation, healing formation, and so forth and so forth. And, And that's all back. Except now you seem to have monsters that you can find. As you beat up monsters, you get a crystals for some of them, and they will kind of join your party in a way. Depending on the formation you're in, the monster is the third member of that formation. So you'll have like a behemoth in your party for one formation type, or flan will be in your party for another formation type. You and had a tomato. It was a flan, actually. But it, okay. Yeah, flamingo. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, as you you had an mon- armadillo too. Yeah, an armadillo as well for the sentinel. That formation. was your defensive That's formation. That's right. And as you power them up, you can get special attacks with them. At least, uh, at least you can with the flan. And then you unleash it, and it's like he. It's it's essentially the equivalent of summons because summons are out of the game, and the ability to renew and like 
raise your characters with TP points seems to also be out of the game. So you have to be do a little bit more inventory management of like using items and stuff. Other than that, honestly, it played just like Final Fantasy XIII, um, except you know now I can evade enemies a little bit more easily, and the story is totally crazy because it's like weird, crazy stuff's going on with alternate realities, and Noel might not be from this reality, but from another reality, and we don't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden, and during the demo they showed us, Lightning's riding around on Odin, killing this gigantic Chaos Omega, and she's in full plate mail, and nobody knows what's going on, and they won't explain any of it. So this game is set to be really crazy, and it's coming out, I think, supposedly by the end of the year, at least in Japan, hopefully here as well, but I don't know. Um, and it's Final Fantasy Thirteen, and, you know, we were in a town area. I can't speak to say if it's like much less linear or anything. I mean, you have a map that shows you where you need to go, so that's pretty linear in and of itself. But I mean, if the there's really no satisfying linearity critics from Final Fantasy Thirteen at this point, they're just not going to be into this game. So, oh, really quick question is anybody with curiosity? Who gave you the demo, Chris? Some dude. Why? Oh, so it wasn't like Nomura or anybody like that? No, no, no. It was uh, some English speaking square dude. Oh, how disappointing. Yep, yep, right. yep. Yeah, I know. Uh, let's see. Should keep moving. Heroes of Ruin. I didn't get to play this at all. This is another Square Enix title. <coughs> uh, did we talk Anna about had the one? exclusive demo. Yeah, you did, Anna. Um, n- well, Michael and Chloe were there with me. And it was a fun exercise in scheduling snafus that we managed to get corrected. Every E3 has at least one scheduling snafu. So how was the game? Um, short, but ah. okay. I mean, I like I like we're sort of beating on the. It's it's ARPG year, and yep. so this is yet another action RPG. What is this one's unique feature? Um, well, a couple of things. Um, there's drop in, drop out multiplayer. Good. So, for example, um, Chloe and Michael were playing. Chloe's game crashed, and Michael was able to keep going, and he wasn't like penalized because his partner wasn't there or anything like that. And Chloe was able to jump back in when they restored her game. But um, so it is quest oriented, and you have ba- main storyline quest, and you have optional quests that you can do. And hang on, I need to call. Um, one of the optional quests that they showed us was there were four ghosts surrounding a uh, a tree and you had to hit them in the right order for them to disappear. So um, that was a cool little thing. And it just, as soon as you finished the quest, just completed, you didn't have to run back to an NPC. Um, the other cool thing is, is that the way that they have the buttons laid out is super awesome, super intuitive. And so what you do is you have, uh, I think it's like A is your regular attack, and then Y, B, uh, X are all special attacks that you can do. Um, I was having trouble aiming one of them, but I think that was just the fact that it was 5.30 and the show ended at 6. Um, and then you have your analog sticks that move. And then the D-pad, um, left and right are your potions, up is to automatically equip an item you're standing on top of, and down is to automatically sell an item you're standing on top of. So, you know, if I'm one class and it's not for my class, I sell it. And that what is sold is actually retained in your game. And then as you connect with various people, the items that you sold then populate their shops. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So that's a good way for them to buy it. Or you could just trade with them, right? Um, They said at the moment there's no trade system. Oh. Okay, so that's you got to do it that way then. So you can't just drop an item on the floor and have your friends pick it up. 
Not to my knowledge. Weird okay. distinction. Right. Oh, I, I do have a question. Like, the characters are, like, are these set classes? I mean, sort of like a Borderlands, like a set character nope. with a name and a... No? No, 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 no. Um, you get to customize your character in a variety of different ways. Like, I had a big cat dude. Rawr. And uh, Mike was making fun of me because he's like, oh, you want to make a Thundercat, eh? <laughs> and I was able to uh, to change, like, his stripe color. And I was able to change the type of mane that he had. Um, right. Some basic coloring on his armor and things like that. Male, female so, versions? Correct. Oh, all right. Cool. It's like one of the few DS games actually has that kind of customization, which is interesting. Well, 3DS games. I think we're going to see more of that as the 3DS evolves. But uh, I actually need to email them because the the red and the green that they were using weren't were too similar. They need to change that. Ah, not colorblind friendly. Interesting. No, that's why I was asking you what colorblind program you were using on the phone because that that's the one they asked about. Ah, cool. Neat. Oh, so DC Universe Online and Free Roams were also at the show. Do we have any good new info for those? Um, farmer class is okay. Farmer class is okay in free realms, so you can start harvesting items like you could in Harvest Moon and stuff, sort of. Harvest Moon is better. Harvest Moon's better. DC Universe Online had like a new raid and stuff announced. We should keep moving. Did anybody try out Star Wars Clone Wars Adventures? No. All right. (laughs) I don't know what's going on with that game then. Two Worlds 2 Pirates of the Flying Fortress, though. I know Manny tried out. Um, no, I did not try it out, but oh. I was, pre- I, I did get a presentation. You get a presentation on it at least, yeah. Yeah. Um, like the main German lead developer gave us a nice presentation. Uh, you know that guy you see in all the artwork? Yeah. Like with the pie patch, that's your dude. You don't customize him. You don't change his looks. That's who you are. You're him. And apparently there's some problems with Titans going on over these island chains. So you head on over there and you're going to go see what's up. And over the course of the game, you build up a ship, your own ship, with your own crew. And each every member of the crew has like their, has their own special abilities, like someone's a cook, one person's a navigator. And they sort of add to the cultural diversity of your crew and your the richness of what you can do in ports and what services they provide to you. And depending on your choices that you make in the game, like who you ally with, how you treat people, whether you're nice or not, different people will come on your ship. Now, but there is no sailing mechanic, say like in something like Two Worlds 2 which is not on this list, but there's no sailing mechanic. Like it's something... Oh, wait, are we talking about Two Worlds 2 or Risen 2? Two Worlds 2. Oh, okay, so take away all of everything I said. Okay. That was all for Risen 2. No, forget it. I'll just keep on going to Risen 2. All, all right. right, talk about Risen 2 then, and then we'll talk about Two Worlds 2 later. Because they're, they're both pirate open-world RPGs. Okay. So I, it's easy to get confused. Okay, so yeah. And Risen 2, and... Uh, well, an interesting thing about the combat, an interesting thing is... Another interesting about your crew is that you can decide who to take with you from your crew and do special missions. So say you're going to be in a confined dungeon area and you want to bring along someone who's like an up-close melee fighter because you, like you want to focus on guns, which is new to this game because you know, it has a whole pirate theme. So you can have muskets, rifles, uh, cutlasses, that kind of thing. So say you just want to hang back and shoot, you can bring one of your heavy melee fighters with you. You can do all the stuff and you can shoot from behind. Or if you're in an open field area... You can bring one of your riflemen with you, and you can both just hang back and shoot people. And you can change that on the fly. You can just open up your your main map, uh, fast travel back to your ship, switch your guys, and come right back. So that's nice that they're letting you switch that up. Uh, an interesting thing about the skill tree in this is that there's no menu. There's when you level. There's no menu for you to learn skills. All the skills you learn are from NPCs within the game. So like 
every there's various NPCs strewn throughout the entire world, and each one represents a new skill or an upgraded to a skill ability. And if you're rude to them, if you're mean to them, if you kill their friend or something like that, if you, if they hate you, they won't teach you that ability. Or maybe you have to go out of your way to make it up to them to learn that ability again. So they really want to represent the skill tree within the world to give you more incentive to explore all of these different islands with your with your ship, to explore all the different towns, interact with people, and give you some some real consequences to your actions in the game, you know. So if you if you really hate this faction of people and you treat them like crap, they won't teach you their secret stealth kill abilities or the secret pickpocketing abilities. And, you know, I, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, most of the time, your choices in these games only affect the story. They never affect your character development. Um, oh, and there's no sailing in the game. It's sort of, uh, you pick where you want to go and they instantly travel there. They said they didn't want to do any... They didn't want to do put anything in the game that would be crappy, so they didn't want to have like a half-ass sailing system that didn't work quite right, and ship battles didn't work, didn't work quite right. So how are the to ship battles? End, Did they show them? No, there are none. Oh, there just aren't any. Oh. Yeah, but they did say this though, because they didn't want to put anything half-assed in the game, but they still want to make you feel like you're a part of this world. Anything you see an NPC doing, just like in Skyrim, you yourself can do. So if you see an NPC selling stuff, I mean, like, like in a store, sharpening weapons, making stuff. You can do all of that too. It basically looks like Risen One, but just completely upgraded. I mean, just built from the ground up for Xbox, PS3, uh, Xbox, PS3, and PC. Whereas before it was a PC game, like crappily ported over to the PS3, and even they admitted it. So built from the ground up for all three platforms. They're really trying to. It looks better than than Risen One ever did. A lot more dynamic, interesting sort of interesting hooks, like in the in the skill system, interesting hooks in the combat. Uh, you can sort of switch on the fly between, you know, cutlass attack, pull out your pistol and blast somebody, go back into another cutlass attack. So it's interesting. I mean, it's it's a full, fully fledged like sixty hour RPG, a lot of pirate themes, a ton of islands to go to. Oh, to give you a sense of the scale, uh, they said that the Risen One Island, which is like this one sort of one big confined island, they say just one one of the islands in Risen Two. Uh, wait, let me is uh, about 70% the size of the entire island in Risen 1. And that's just one, and they have like like at least like four or five or six of those. So wow. to give you perspective of how big this place is. So yeah, so this is a... Oh, and an interesting thing they said is that they, they realized how hard Risen 1 was and how it kicked your ass the second you started the game and like how you were stuck in rags the whole game. This one, they want to keep you moving along a lot more quickly. You get cooler stuff sooner. They don't beat you up right away because... I think they figured they learned that if you're playing our game for 60 hours or more, we have plenty of time to kick your ass and we have plenty of time to make it brutally hard and beat you up. So they're going to ease you into that so you feel a little bit more ready for it. Nice. So they basically said uh, everything I wanted to hear. And if we want to know more, I should go down to Gamescom to check it out. Yeah, you'll be right on that. So tell us about Two Worlds 2, Manny. Um, well, another open world pirate third person action game. Third-person action RPG. Uh, except this one is an expansion. It's a little bit smaller in scale. Um, there were some initial reports from people like IGN that this would be a standalone expansion. That's not true. You need the first game. Um, about 10 hours of new content, like maybe two new big musical compositions. If you, There's going to be a Game of the Year edition. They're called like the Velvet Edition that comes with a... Like you know, special little bonuses like a pirate pin and some DLC. You, if you so, if you haven't picked up the game then uh, yet, you can buy their Velvet Edition to get the original game and the expansion. And 
you can jump into the expansion right away, sort of like uh, with uh, Oblivion and what was the name of that expansion? The Shivering Isles? Yeah. Same kind of thing. You can jump in. Uh, there's been some UI tweaks, not like a lot, not not a lot, sort of like some improvements to the map so it's easier to find your uh, your ship and get around because this game has a lot more sailing. So they add about 25% more stuff to the map. I mean, that's like maybe six or seven new islands. You could hop into your little boat at any time and sail between all the different islands. There's going to be quests going on in each one. Lots of, tons of new armor. They're all pirate and like explorer themed. Uh, crazy new quests. Like apparently at some point you're going to be taking a quest from what I've heard from uh, an undead sort of like a zombie at that point you do like a zombie quest line and i heard rumor that there would be zombie strippers somewhere there so you know so i think they're having a little bit of fun with it and the whole pirate theme i'm not sure if you get your own ship eventually i'm all i know is that uh that if you like two worlds too this is like a smaller tighter little adventure within that world 25 like 10 more hours you, you can take your character from the original game bring him right over or you can take your character from the expansion and bring him into the main game so it seems interesting what i've seen so far um two worlds 2 is not a bad game it, it, it has its fair share of problems but it had a lot of charm and i think if you if you're interested in checking this out it's going to be a mac pc ps3 360 you can get the velvet edition for i think they could charge like full price at first but it'll eventually drop in price and it'd be worth checking out on the cheap if you wanted to sweet Thank you. All right, Rift and Defiance were there from Tryon Worlds, but I don't think we checked out either of those because Rift is out and Defiance, um, none of us had heard of it, right? It, I think it's the, I think, call me crazy, it's a sci-fi MMO that they're doing as the sci-fi channel. With the sci-fi channel? Yes. Wow. Okay, that's kind of cool. It's an open world shooter MMO, so screw that. We don't care about Oh, this is the other one. They were doing a different one with... Wait, yeah. open world shooter? MMO. No, that is the sci-fi one. You're absolutely right. Okay, it's an open world shooter MMO. So whatever. Yeah. So we don't care anyway. Glad we didn't see it. All right, Bastion. I already talked about Lord of the Rings: War in the North. Now I've talked about this on a bunch of things. I want to hear what Anna thought about this one because you played. Two. You all three of you played together. Who played together? Me, Chloe, and Anna. Okay. Who is not talking? Wait. I missed what game we're talking Lord about. Lord of the Rings, sorry. War in the North. Yeah, I was terrible. You guys, I was like, I'm a dwarf. I'm going to run in and beat the crap out of stuff. Rawr, rawr, rawr. Well, hey, wait, were... it's fighting back. And I was like, the, the girl was trying to teach me how to fire with my bow and arrow, and I was terrible at it. So I just let you guys do it. I'm like, well, screw you didn't it. Need to. You're, the, you're the dwarf. You're supposed to beat stuff with, with your axe. My tank is Remember? a tank. And my axe. That's your job. And you are my... the internet meme. Yes. I I was the axe. I got beat up. I beat many things up. I got to use my skills and abilities, and I forgot to I forgot how to call down my griffin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you knew you were doing it, weren't you? No. Oh, Chloe was. Doing I did it, it the f- I did it the first time by accident. So this is great. And then after that, I couldn't remember how to do it. The setup for this demo was that we have no idea what's going on, but they told us there's a big eagle who's like part of the story he's like one of these big golden talking eagles that you see like in the books and stuff and he's gonna help you and he's like call on me whenever you need and then he takes off to go do his own thing and you're gonna right around killing orcs and stuff and we had anna's the dwarf me as the ranger and chloe was the mage and we all doing our own abilities and trying to help each other out um they didn't show off a lot of the class specific stuff other than you know you were doing your own thing 
uh, the common thing that we needed to do to work together was uh, our mage needed to put up a shield spell. Anna needed to do the her war cry taunt to get all the enemies to try and attack her. And I was picking people off from the background with my bow and then running up and cleaning up with my sword as needed. And then any of us could summon an eagle down who would just tear up enemies whenever he got summoned. It was awesome to see him come down. It was really sweet looking. Uh and the you know you had to do some tactics like when enemy spellcasters had their shields up one of us would need to run in it was usually me I'd run in take out the enemy spellcaster then get the heck out of there then the shields down and then we can, then I could fire stuff uh, remotely again because it would block my missiles while that shield was up and you know we work through the demo and we we get used to our abilities and they showed off the level up system where you could pick your own skills and pick like do I want to be more of a tank focused character or more of a ranged focused character or for me like do I want to do like support type stuff or just uh, boost my sword and stuff so I can be a little bit better of a fighter in melee in case it comes to that and that sort of thing. And they showed, uh, you know, how you could distribute your stat points as well for strength and stamina and that sort of stuff. So the RPG elements going, the combat was fun, I thought. Did you think the combat was fun? Did you hate the combat? Was it no, no, it's just, I'm gonna kill stuff. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, well, it was action RPG, but it seemed like there was a little bit more depth and strategy to this system than some of the other ones. Um, you had to, up to three sk- skills equipped at any time by holding on. Oh, actually, up to six. You hold on the right trigger. You have your uh, your melee skills. You hold on the left trigger. You had your uh, range skills. So that was kind of cool too. So uh, I like doing all that, and it seemed like a fun game. You could play online, co-op. Looking good. Look forward to that one coming out later. Next titles: Dragon's Dogma. To keep it quick, this was like Monster Hunter, but with AI partners, and I ran around and uh, we shot arrows at, an, at a griffin to make him fall down on the ground, and then we beat him up until he died, and did this over and over. But one of the things you can do with your AI partners is get a boost to go jump up in the air and get on the griffin and hold on to him and kind of attack him while he's in the air, and um, the... You could also tell your teammates, hey, use fire spells so all our weapons are fire enchanted because that'll help bring the guy down. So if you've seen the, the, the videos for this, this is going to be where you're hunting a bunch of guys, taking them down, or hunting a bunch of big, you know, high fantasy monsters and taking them down and, and just trying to get the drop on them and hunt them. And they confirmed so far a griffin, they've confirmed a chimera, they've confirmed a hydra, and of course there's going to be a dragon. So this is looking cool as well. Uh, did anybody play any of the new stuff in Wakfu? No. Yes. Yes. So, um, we we really should have taken pity. It was me and Michael and Chloe, and we we really should have taken pity on on the guy um, who was demoing for us and just had him do the presentation in French. But um, he he managed to to muscle his way through it. And they were showing off some of the new classes, but I don't remember a ton about that. But what they did show us was a really good in-depth analysis of the new political system that's available in Wakfu. Um, So basically, there are three regions in the game, and each one of them elects... um, um, like a leader, and I can't remember the precise name for it. But uh, it's cool because if you're the leader, you get this throne in the middle of town, and you are the only person allowed to sit on that throne. It's massive, and it's decorated, and it, there's like a big way walkway up to it. Um, but aside from the, the perk of the very cool chair, you also have a lot of responsibilities. So you have to elect a cabinet for yourself. 
and I believe there's eight members of the cabinet, and each of them have their own specific uh, requirements that they need to fulfill. Thank you. It's the mayor, so it's the mayor's chair. And, um, yeah, they have their cabinet. Um, And the one thing that both the cabinet and the mayor um, do is set up the laws. And so there are minor infractions, major infractions, and crimes. And so this sort of dictate the, the do's and don'ts for the next two weeks. And uh, one of the examples they showed us is um, in, in Wakfu, the various species of monsters can actually become endangered, scarce, and, and completely extinct. And so to, to prevent this sort of this hunting to extinction, you can make animals illegal to hunt. And if you break the law, you lose reputation with your home city. If you lose enough reputation, you're actually tossed out. You're considered an outlaw, and you can be hunted for bounties. So um, it it does behoove you to to stay within the limits of the law whenever possible. And the important part about the political system is... you, well, number one, you have to be voted in. And uh, they, they were talking about some of the interesting uh, politicking that can go on. You know, if, if someone has a big influential guild and you want all of their votes, what can you give to them in exchange for their votes? And they said they were really looking forward to the wheeling and dealing that was going to go on. But um, the the citizens can vote on, on whether the mayor is doing a good job. And there's actually a slider scale where... Um, I don't remember what he said the last 80% positive was because there's like a middle ground and then there's two lines where it's like 80% positive past that you get a bonus of some sort. But if you're in the bottom 20% of your popularity, you're actually tossed out of the office early. Okay. Cool. So very in-depth and detailed it sounds like. No? Yeah, well, I mean, we've all played sword to some extent um and we're we're sort of familiar with that politics but that just it blows sword out of the water mm, okay neat oh manny do you want to take us home with deus ex human revolution all right so me and michael got to check out deus ex human revolution and uh i won't spend too much time with it because we have some great impressions becky you got to go up to the studio and uh, also known as Ocelot on the site. She's spent a lot of time with these people. We have video interviews. So I'll just get to it real quick. Okay, so Deus Ex Human Revolution. We saw a demo. I think that was also on the show floor, but we got a special walkthrough with with people who actually made who uh, actually spent time building up the characters that you played in the demo so they knew what all, what all the abilities he had were and how to use them to the best abilities, that kind of stuff. Right? So he went through this level where you need to get to the – I think it was somewhere like off the island – off the coast of Shanghai is this island, this big island city. And the city basically has two two levels. There's well, there's basically the old city with a roof, a gigantic thick roof built on top of it, and then another city built on top of that. And you, as you can imagine, the lower classes live in the bottom underworld city, and the richer classes live in the higher up city that actually gets sunlight. And you need to find like a special elevator that gets you from there all the way up to the surface in between uh, in between the big the big divider and up to the surface. So of course, because this being day six, you have multiple ways that you can do that. And the guy who's giving us the demo, he he decided to go a very stealthy, sort of strategic kind of way. First he talked his way through by giving people money, 
bribing his way in. He took like a he started hacking terminals to open a new pass for him, uh, hopping around the level. And because he had special augmentations, like this one augment where if you fall too far, you activate like an Icarus wing system where you slowly float to the ground with uh, thrusters. And like if you didn't have that augmentation, this entire path and all these little things that he did would have been completely useless. He just sort of had to turn straight around. Straight around. So he gets to this point, he drops down like maybe three floors, sneaks around, gets in the com- computer terminal, hacks in, opens up another secret path, sneaks around tons of enemy guards, hacks another elevator terminal, goes up to the top, steals an ID card, goes through the special lab. You know, basically you imagine the most stealthy stealth thing you can do. You know, very impressive. He, the guy clearly knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So after this demo, of course, it's my turn to go play. So I go outside, I check it out, I try it out, and I'm Sure enough, first thing I do is I alert all the guards. I end up having to kill everybody. 20 robot guards are on me. I mean, but of course, the funny thing is, though, I don't feel like I lost playing that way. I don't feel like, oh, like when you do that in Metal Gear, you feel like, oh, I might as well reset, right? Yeah. The way I was playing felt completely valid because even though the guy was doing like a really clever, sneaky route, he didn't get all the great loot that I got on the floor. There was like, there were chests everywhere with like new gun mods uh, new abilities, new things to check out. Uh, it actually had a lot more fun engaging in combat, killing people with my weapons. Uh, I, I think I leveled up quicker. No, wait, no, no. You level up quicker, the sneakier you are, I think. But I also got better stuff going down below. So it was interesting to see like the same exact level and the same exact scenario just taken from two completely different angles. And I didn't do any hacking. Instead, I just I used a big gun with like explosive shells and blew doors through. Uh, instead of trying to find key cards and like start hacking my way into people's terminals, I just walk up to them and make them tell me what they knew and threaten people. It was, it's interesting. It's a lot of fun. It, it really does seem like you can build the Adam Jensen that you want to build from the ground up. Um, the developer who's, who's sitting next to me while I was playing, he was telling me how his he has his own set of rules for his Adam Jensen. His guy is a stealth guy. He uses like an, uh, an SMP, a small little machine gun, with a suppressor, and he's always very quiet. He uses trank, uh, trank dart modifications, and he never kills anybody. His antigens never kills anybody. And if he ever does, it's because he says, well, you left me no choice, man. I had to kill you. And he feels a little bad about it. And if he feels, if he feels enough bad about it, he'll reset that area and try again without killing anybody. Mm-hmm. So it seems like you can roleplay as much as you want with this character, not just in like assigning skill points into different modifications or anything like that. But well, apparently, just... if you if you choose the non you, when you start the demo that they had on the show mm-hmm. floor, you get to choose if you want to do it lethal or non-lethal. Um, mm-hmm. And so you choose if you're going to be kind of killing people or not. And if you do it non-lethal, apparently it's a lot easier to preserve the lives of the hostages that show up later in the level. Uh, you know, I don't I, I don't doubt that because the way when I I had everyone on high alert. Everyone was cowering from me. There were more robot sentries. I had to use my EMP grenades. I had to use a lot of my, a lot more of my resources that I could have saved yeah. for defusing this hostage situation later. Hmm. And it, yeah, it seems like it's whatever you want. You want to be a hacker? Do you want to be a smooth talker? Do you want to be a combat specialist? Do you want to be a stealth specialist? Do you want to knock people out with train guns and with a you know, sneak up behind them and hit them in the hit them in the back of the head? Or do you just want to kill everybody? I mean. So many little choices, and even your augmentations. Because I, I felt a little uncomfortable with the end engine they gave me because he had like a very specific set of augmentations that I probably never would have picked for myself. But I'm sure from the ground up, like my Adam Jensen will be very different from your Adam Jensen. Pretty I thought cool. it was interesting. I can't wait for this game. I mean, it seems like Anna was right. This is the year of the action RPG. And well, between... 
This is an action first-person shooter. All right, all right, all right. But still, lots of action. Lots of action. Yeah. I like that, and usually I'm the kind of guy who really likes to have his own character in the game, like my face, my personality, my voice. But when it's done as well done as like, when it's as well done as this, like with Adam Gentle with a great personality and some cool style, or with like The Witcher Two with a uh, Geralt of Rival, I mean, I can totally get behind that too. Nice. Look at so. Uh, there's a few that aren't on the list that we should probably talk about, such as. Um, how about Curse Crusade? What about it? Um, remember it. it was it was only being shown behind closed doors. Who's this? So who's that was that? it was oh, the Atlas. The, yeah, that was the non RPG. Well, it's it's borderline. Yeah, I, I didn't put it on the list because it it didn't look like an RPG to me. But. <laughs> okay, so much so many borderline games at this show. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 going to be an action with RPG elements. We'll put a question mark beside it. Yeah. How about <laughs> Harvest Moon: The Tale of Two Towns? Well, no, now oh. you brought it up. We got to at least mention it. This is uh, the Curse Crusade. It's an action game. You're running around, you're beating people up, and you're a Templar Paladin dude. But then you oh, can oh, turn yeah. into is a this Dark the Knight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So and you're so you could, then you could, you're like Templar. You have stuff. a yeah. partner Templar with you. Um, you guys are going on crusade and your particular character is going on crusade because his dad disappeared the last crusade. So you're going to go find him. Yeah. But it turns out that everybody in this particular group is cursed and um, they they can actually go into a cursed mode where, where time slows down and you can set stuff on fire. And the other thing is, is uh, there are, there are going to be certain storyline points where to automatically down, kick but... a little bit. Yeah. But you could, uh, what was really cool is when your character is about to die, you see yep. death coming for you, and you can fight him off. And if you yep. fight him off long enough and your partner comes over and resurrects you, you're, you, you don't die. So that yep. was kind of cool death mechanic. Um, there's absolutely no permanent weapons. Mm-hmm. So everything that you use eventually breaks down. Um, but, it, but it's sort of Silent Hill-esque where if your mace breaks, you can still stab them with like the, the piece of wood that you have left over when the head breaks off. So um, you can either have an AI partner. It can be co-op uh, local or co-op online. Um, the finishing moves are very cool. Yeah. Um, then there was Harvest Moon, The Tale of Two Towns. Yeah. So more Harvest Moon. It's DS and 3DS. Two different versions. It's not like a 3DS game you can play on the DS or anything like that. Um, And basically at the beginning, you choose between the two towns. One is uh, sort of an Asian-flavored town, uh, and it's focused on growing vegetables and crops. The other one is a more Eastern European flavor. They are more concentrated on raising animals, including the new animal, which is the alpaca. Um, so that's specific to this game. And there's <clears throat> this game is a lot more focused on the uh, festivals and events that go on. So uh, there's a cooking festival every season and that's sort of where you start is there's a huge rivalry between these villages they don't talk to each other anymore all they do is compete in the cooking festival so you're attempting to bridge the two villages together and uh there was also rune factory tides of destiny that's well, ps3 like the, and it's Wii. like the natsume minute yeah <laughs> all right rune factory this is for ps3 and we and we and wow we. that's yep. going to be quite the juxtaposition yeah, um, there, there isn't any real difference between the two versions. Well, honestly, I, the graphics should look a lot different. Y- yeah, that's about it, though. Thematically, they are identical games. Okay, so it's just a matter of what system you happen to own. Hang on, I need to cough again. 
All right, so it's a Rune Factory game. Right, so it's sort of the Harvest Moon meets Diablo sort of idea. Yeah. And so in this particular one, um, you play as Aiden, and Sonia, your best friend, her soul has been trapped inside of your body. You have no idea how this has happened, so um, you're, you're basically looking for why Sonia's soul got trapped in your body. How do you get it out? Where's Sonia's body? And to do this, you actually have a giant golem named Emir, and he is able to travel between the different islands and, uh, and lift them out of the ocean. And uh, so there are some temporary islands, there are some permanent islands, um, very quest-oriented uh, storyline uh, quest-driven storyline. Um, there, there is still the farming aspect, but uh, a lot more focused on action this time around. Um, did we talk about Torchlight 2? No, we missed Torchlight 2. Chris, for shame. Hey, it wasn't on the list everybody made. I'm sorry. <laughs> yep, so me and Michael and Manny played it, and 30 minutes was not enough. I whined as they kicked us out. We all whined because we all wanted to keep playing. Yeah. Um, it's it's Torchlight one with so many more improvements. Manny, tell oh. what did you think of this one? This is your first time playing Torchlight two, right? Uh, yes, it was. Because uh, Anna got to try it at PAX last year, as did I. So what? Um, that demo oh. thirty minutes is too short. What do you for mean that? you didn't? I didn't go to PAX last year. Oh, you came down after PAX. Well, you yes. you should have tried it. The demo yes. was too th- short. Well, thirty minutes. Yeah, is we wanted to play. What does that mean? <laughs> was it just Torchlight with online then? No, no it's just the problem was, is that there's like. They had long load times in this build, and as I spent a lot of downtime sort of just waiting to catch up to everybody and waiting for everything to load. So I spent most of my time just talking to the devs, asking them questions about what was going on while they got to play. Yeah, he was monopolizing Max Schaefer's time. Okay. So uh interesting thing is the new class, the Berserker. Sort of like imagine like a more uh, you know, rage-fueled class who's like with a more like an animistic, shamanistic kind of bent. He sort of summons different animal spirits as his magic attacks. So like a dragon will burst forth from his body and like spew flames everywhere. Or he'll rush forward and a giant wolf will come out of him and it'll slash at the enemies. And he uh, fights mainly with like these sort of small two-handed bladed weapons or like uh, small little glaives or anything like that. There's stuff, stuff like that. Very fast character. You know, quick melee. I guess he's supposed to be the counterpart or sounding contrast to the Railman, which is, you know, a slow uh, two-handed weapons kind of guy. So that was interesting to check him out. But that being said, much like Torchlight 1, you are not locked to those particular weapons. I got to play the Railman. I had an excellent monocle. My ferret had goggles. Nice. Yeah, so actually that was one of the things that uh, there was a lot of like little details that I really liked that they changed between the games. For example, the pets look different depending on which class you were playing. And um, when you are filling up your inventory, both your inventory and your pet's inventory fill up at the same time. So you don't have to manually move stuff into your pet's inventory anymore. Um, the the talents looked a lot tighter. Like I was sort of, I, I just browsed them really fast because I don't think they were complete by any stretch of the imagination. But I mean, with Torchlight 1, there was a lot of sort of filler stuff where it was like, well, this is kind of useless and I'm never going to use it. But I feel like there's so many fewer of those. Uh, but they still are redesigning the entire UI at this point. So yeah, a yeah, lot of the UI is still being redone. Well, I mean, the bag thing will probably stay the same because that is an improvement from Torchlight 1. But it could be even better by the time it's done. I hope so. Oh, it's not going to... Um, there's no... We're a little iffy on this. We're not sure if it's going to come out this summer anymore. But it will No, be it's not coming year. out this summer. It's oh, not boo. coming out this summer. Absolutely not in July. Very unlikely in August. 
That's terrible. So September is looking like the earliest they're going to be able to put it out. That's awful. Oh, but Chris, uh, a cool new thing just about like backend stuff. Yeah. It will be a uh, Mac PC cross-platform play. There was some question about that earlier. So okay. it doesn't matter what version you get, we'll be able to play together. Uh, standardized good. DRM, standardized patching. Never have to go looking for a patch again. Good, good. Yep. Because I know if you bought the box version, you'd have to go looking on their website to find that stuff. It's like, nope, it's all in the back end. And so right. is their multiplayer. It's all done within. So it doesn't matter if you get it on Steam, Gamer's Gate, or a box copy. Easy patches, and you'll be able to play with everybody. How's it going to work with bonding? Um, actually, they did touch upon that. I mean, obviously, they can't um, encourage modding because of the legal issues. But basically, the way that they're going to set it up is if you go into a custom game, there's going to be a box that pops up um, describing the mods that are um, being used in that. Wait, wait, wait. wait. That encourages modding. So don't give me that. What does that mean, they can't encourage well, they modding? Can't about- urge, they can't encourage individual mods. What does that mean? Because of the, because of the copyright issue. I don't know. Oh, okay. It's just they they can't but say they're, they're letting you mod the game. They are permitting you to mod the game, and they're providing the the the, the kit for it, like they did for no, Tor- no. Oh, torched, yeah, yeah torched is going to be PC only. Okay, it's not going to be available for the Mac. Okay, well that's still um, out there. Yeah. That's good. They are offering the tool set, but beyond that, they are very hands off. They are saying you can play with mods, but it's not our responsibility. We do not recognize any particular mod. It you know use it your own risk. Well, are they going to have a list of the popular mods or anything like no. that? No. no. Wow. But what they're going to do is when a custom game pops up that does have mods, there's going to be an information box that describes the mod and a location to download it. Hmm. That's too bad. So you are going to be able to get a hold of them really easily. Well, but, no, I mean they know. could do they could go a step further, make it like StarCraft Two mods where it, like yeah, they download right into your game. Right, but the problem is, is that doesn't Blizzard monitor those mods? Not really. They don't okay, do well, Runic doesn't it. want to go through the legal headache of attempting to monitor. So it's not legal. There's no legal headache. Whatever. All right. So this is what's um, going to let you have a Pac-Man mod is basically being this hands-off. So that's the good right. part. So that right. because they're doing that, people can go crazy by making other games in this game, and they'll let you do it. So that's nice. Uh, um, yeah. So next one was Dale's Adventures. It's another. It's yet another action RPG. What is? Who made so it's this? A, uh, Wild Game Studios. Oh, Dahlia's an Adventure. Right. Dale's Adventure. Isn't there an I? Dale. Right. No, there is D A I L A. Dale's Adventures. Whatever. Who's making this? Wild Game Studios. It's an who independent are studio. They? In it's an independent <laughs> studio company. in northern Quebec. So they oh, are French- that's why we're covering it. It's the Canada <clears throat> Connection. All right. So tell yes. us about the Canada game. So coming out October 2011. Um, right now they're 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 still working out who's publishing it. Mm-hmm. So uh, PC, Mac, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360. Um, my concern with this we do. So and they actually had a, a girl who was dressed up as Dela there. She was very cute. So, um, my concern with this is it's going to sort of run into the Din's curse problem because the graphics are kind of crap. Mm -hmm. They're super basic graphics, but, um, the game is not meant to be like the, the biggest shiniest engine out there because the gameplay is really what the focus is. So it's an action RPG. You play as Dela, you're a nature spirit, all the dragons have disappeared and you're attempting to figure out what went wrong and restoring balance to the nature. So, um... Dela's sort of trick is that 
whenever she defeats an enemy, she can actually absorb their power in, and that um, unlocks your modes of transportation and your puzzling aspects. So, for example, I transformed into a mouse, I went into a crack, and I got into a new section of the dungeon. Um, so, Dela has 30 spells. Some, some uh, ridiculous... Somewhere around there. Number. Uh, they were just showing two. So one was a fireball, which shot straight ahead and was difficult to aim. The other one was uh, like a stalagmite spell, where a bunch of rocks came up and pushed the enemies away from her because she is uh, she is pretty fragile. So uh, look at looking forward to to seeing and hearing more about that. Um, so NIS America is putting out atel- uh, Atelier Tutori. Atelier Tutori, yes. Yep. And this, I I played some of this. It's the same damn game. Yeah. I couldn't find anything that makes it stand upon it at all. Yep. Did you? So did you figure out um, what what relevance time passing had? No, I couldn't. Okay. That I, was the only aspect that they, they didn't they, really They discuss. said specifically that they were loosening the restrictions on time passing. They did mention that. So it's okay. they're trying to make it easier for you to get your, your, your recipe request done on time. That's, right. So beyond, beyond that, um, they said they were shooting for a September launch. That was news. And uh, it was just the first first English build they had on the floor, so there was still some Japanese left in it. The game was rather well-received by our staff, the first one, at Atelier Rorona, so I'm sure this will also go over well. You get to run around, collect alchemy items, beat up monsters. Um, it looks really simplistic, though. I'm surprised that it got the praise that it did. So I don't know what's up with that. But. So, um, and we... Uh, we we were chatting, and uh, it, it sounds like we might be getting Neptunia 2 as well. Yeah, that's some news. So people have been wanting Neptunia sequel. Um, ba- basically, they had, like, the, the president of Nipponichi, yeah. and, like, the Japanese president, and someone asked him if uh, if they were going to be bringing out Neptunia 2, and he said, not a problem. So hmm. take that as you may. I take that as chances are good we're going to see it. Mm-hmm. So the other MMORPG that Perfect World was showing was Raiders. So closed beta test, quarter one, 2012, released sometime later this that was year. This, was this the silly one where people dress up in costumes? No, you're thinking of Rusty Hearts. Oh, okay. So no bear. What's the standout for this one? Um, Not a lot. Oh. The, the, the one, the so one sort of... So it's just another uh, key- MMO. Well, no, they, they do actually have a key mechanic, and it's basically um, enemies are breakable. Yeah. So, for example, they set you up at the beginning, they stick you in front of a target dummy, you whack the target dummy, his, his shield falls off, and you can actually pick it up and pitch it back at the target dummy for, for a bunch of damage. And so that comes into to relevant play later on. So they give you a mini boss, and he's wielding a log, and eventually you you do about half of his damage, and he drops the log and starts picking up people and crushing them. So you can then pick up his log and start beating him with it. Um, and then the the major boss that we run across had a, a crystal in the middle of his chest. You beat him up for a while, the crystal shattered because it was actually regenerating him. And uh, you can actually pick up the pieces of crystal and start pitching them at him. You got to make sure you grab them before he does. Mm-hmm. Because cause the boss will, uh, will will try to grab them from you. Um, beyond that, um, there were two Korean MMOs, but I don't think we want to talk about those. No, probably not. <laughs> I, I'll have impressions up on them later this week. But for those who are interested in names, Shadow War Online and War of Glory, both of which need actually those are both those are actually Chinese. My bad. Yeah, and um, Shadow War Online is like I don't even think we should cover it because it has no. Um, plans for U.S. It's launch. Maple story. Yes, it does. No, it does not. 
They yes, were, they, Outspark. That is not true. They were there. Sh- I talked to this lady. They were there shopping for you as publishers. Okay. The guy that demoed it for me said that Outspark was... Who was Outspark? This was third day. This was the third day. So he they, said got, they got pushed up then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Outspark was their new publisher for North America. They don't have one for War of Glory, but um, they, they, before Outspark, they bring it out. if you're wondering, Shadow, O-U-T-S-P-A-R-K, Outspark, who is a free-to-play vendor. So. Yep. So War of Glory looks like looks much better. Than oh, yeah, because they do their other one, Fists of Foo. Yep. That's, that's so what's going on. So here. Shadow Wars Online is Maple Story. Uh, okay. no. If this is the one I yeah. played, it's not. It probably You're probably thinking of War of Glory. No, they didn't have that playable. Is this the I side-scrolling play- one where you beat up big dogs? Yes. Yeah, that's not like MapleStory at all. It's exactly like MapleStory. Okay. MapleStory is much weirder. <laughs> there's mushrooms. All right, so... Yeah, there's mushrooms instead of pirate dogs, Chris. Actually, what this played more like was a really simplified, crappy version of Draconica. Um, so Shadow War is not worth your time, everybody. Don't even bother. No, War, War of Glory is uh, interesting because even though it's being developed in Asia, um, they they basically their their premises is they wanted to build a game that was intended for an international audience from the ground up. Yeah. So whether they were successful or not remains to be seen. I played only a short little bit of it because they had to kick me off for uh, a Korean interviewer. So. I think that was everything I got. They to, said yeah. I was better than them at Shadow War, so that was weird. Oh, snap. <laughs> I don't know what that meant. <laughs> All right. I think uh, so. We went out with a whimper with some Chinese MMOs, but that's okay. Um, there was a lot of those there that we didn't even touch on or look at because. Just and I want to give a shout out to, uh, to Nordic Games who showed us we we dance and we sing. You guys rocked. They are not listening, awesome. Anna. <laughs> I'm going to email them this podcast and All say right, we you, talked, to you guys. We you did guys talk. Were awesome. We, talk, we, we loved you. Okay. <laughs> At the very end for their shout That's out. British shout out Nordic Games. Oh. oh yeah. What? Anna never talked about her tank. It's a tank. My tank. World of Tanks. It was a tank. Is that even an MMO? It is very borderline. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely certain we're going to cover it. This is a game but where you run around a... and level up your tank and blow stuff up, right? Well, you can in level skirm- up your yeah, tank. Yeah, 15, 15 on 15 skirmishes. Yep. And there's a bunch of different tanks, which represent a lot of different classes. Uh-huh. It actually looks like a lot of fun. I, I'm, I'm going to be... Installing it here soon to, to mess around. But it was it. funny because, of course, uh, you're playing on the live server. So you log in and it's an. We actually had the CEO of Wargaming.net playing for us um, because there was no way I was be able to play and talk while we did this. Mm. And of course, as soon as we logged in, they were like, oh, great, it's someone from E3. So like the, the chat channel's going on. It's like, sweet, we're going to start a drinking game. Every time the E3 player damages someone, take a shot. Uh, every time he kills someone, drink the bottle. If he wins, we get toasted. If we win with him on our team, we get toasted. Mm-hmm. We won. <laughs> and we have they a video of that up yeah. on yes. YouTube. They do. We do. Oh, we do. Yes. Would you? And would you like a preview of what the video is going to be like? Sure. Wow. Okay. <laughs> One <Yeah>. million troops. <laughs> okay. There you go. World of and I was incredibly impressed. I thought it was cool. And you actually get to see me in a real tank. 
Oh, that's right. You did jump. You did jump into the tank. So I did get into the tank. That that's was exciting. Right. Although I was so nervous when I first got in the tank that Fox is taping me, saying something in the middle. I just burst out laughing. I totally flubbed it. Nice. I don't see why you were nervous. It's a tank. It's not like you're gonna hurt it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Uh, I love yeah. going out on a tank. World of Tanks, which you can find right now at worldoftanks.com. Check that out. We might be covering that. And uh, definitely worth looking into if you want to blow stuff up in a freaking tank. And they have wonderful teaser trailers that make fun of other MMOs. I love their marketing for it. So check that out. And with that, I think we're going to bring our E3 2011 podcast coverage to a close. Wow, what a podcast. That's a long one. Thanks, everyone, for sticking with it. Thank you, Ed, Anna, Manny, for being on the show with me this nice, long evening. Um, I hope uh, you all have a good time listening to our impressions from the show. Leave us feedback at podcast at rpgamer.com. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash rpgamer. Leave us a voicemail at 608-729-4098. Let us know what you thought of our coverage and what sort of uh, cool things you saw from E3. I want to know, please call and tell us your favorite moments of the show, your favorite uh, your favorite things that were revealed, because I'd love to hear them and talk about them next week. And keep watching the rpgamer.com YouTube channel. We're going to have, what, 10 more interviews that are going up? At the very least. And they'll all be up right there on the front page of our site as well. So mm-hmm. check that out, too. And on our Facebook at facebook.com slash rpgamer. Follow along, and we love to follow along with you as well. Tell us what you'd like to see on the show. Always interested in your feedback. Leave us messages on the for- on the forums at board.rpgamer.com. Uh, I think we're going to wrap up now. It's really late. I need to go to work tomorrow. So uh, I think I'm going to close everything down. Yeah, Thanks for so being with us so night. Yeah, work sucks. Uh, but it's time for E3 Magic to end. Until next year, this is E3 2011 coverage ending. And we'll see you all the, uh, next week as we get back into the normal grind of RPG news on your favorite RPG podcast, RPG Cast. Until next week, everybody, goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs>